and you're going to get picks, picks, and more picks edition of the Dream Preview. And he's been upgraded. We got the Wise Guy Roundtable. Has, it now has a satellite office. You know what we're going to have to do? We got to get AJ. I like AJ right here. He's through a, a window now. But I'm going to let him be announced first because he's taking one for the team, being through that glass, and having to be in the same room as McKenzie. Don't, you know, McKenzie is, um, he's dedicated to his work in a way that, hmm, sometimes when you see it up close, it's a little disconcerting. But he is behind the wall for now, taking one for the team. AJ, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, RJ. How are you? What do you think? You feeling like you got to earn your way back to the table? Is that what? Is that the deal here? That's what some people think. Oof. Well, but does that mean McKenzie's been out outside the whole time? He's been in the cold. In well, McKenzie's the producer of the show. He's a, he's got a, pro, a producer's room. That's just for the insurance. It's like the kids' table during the holidays. Oh, remember you love that, Fez? Yeah, that. where they have to. They, they one of the oldest kids, like if eighteen, Fez, has to Fez, eat with if, the twelve-year-old. If Fez was sitting in that room, he'd be having a pouting face like you never saw before. Like his hair would start drooping. Maybe the move is as as the seasons go on, whoever's behind in in the bets has to sit in this room what happens by some amazing happenstance it's me i mean are you on the team or are you not on the team i own the team (laughs) (laughs) we do got steve fezzik to my right and we got scott his name comes off the tongue like butter seidenberg does that work? That's perfect. <laughs> I told you, you're getting better every week at it. I, I, I'm a fast Too learner. Too bad it's not side and total. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. We got McKenzie. By the way, I, I got a question. What's the ones and twos mean? It's uh, That's the turntables. There you go. The turntable. What's I got like to do DJ's with producer radio shows? And twos. Because I've been listening to Lombardi's podcast and that, and the dude Femi or whatever yeah. his name is is going, and on the ones and twos, what does that mean? He's he's making like a DJ reference that has uh, nothing to do with talk radio at all. It has not, to do with yeah, he's turntables. Not, he's and not close. Ones and he's twos. not close to cool enough yeah. to be making DJ yeah. references. He's talking in binary. Yeah, yeah I, I'm thinking the zeros and ones. He's coding <laughs> right. the computer back. No, he's talking about turntables and and mixers and and having to do like with actually music DJs. My baby's in <laughs> Reno shooting vitamin D. All right. Um, <laughs> you get that, H? I got it. All right. And we got McKenzie on the zeros and ones. <laughs> Run, running the board. Running the board over here. All right. Here's what's exciting about today's show. The draft is over. I've got some adamant kind of no one else agrees with me, but everyone else is wrong takes on it. And no one here, all the zeros and ones, ones and twos, whatever, will be able to rebuke me. Impossible, but we'll give them a chance. Then everyone's making a best bet in the NFL based on the draft in the aftermath. Fez is saying, I'm Fez. I won two super contests, so I'm going to do two picks, two. Let's start. Now, let's think. I, I, I don't think we can even do this conversation without my conversation. So let's start there. I believe the following, and I'm going to give you a couple assumptions, and we can see if we agree. And Fez, I want you to be the aggressor here if you disagree. Don't acquiesce. All right? Okay. I don't think we can know anything from the draft other than what equity, what capital, and let's use capital. If I have a first-round pick, it's a certain amount of capital. I could pick a player or I can trade for a player. Philly had the 18th pick. They could have picked a player. They traded for A.J. Brown. That was capital being Spent, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. 
is coming in, the Jets had massive capital. It makes sense that there's going to be an influx of people that they would either have traded for people or the picks themselves. That's got value. And I think each round has a different level of a lottery. Let's say the first round's a coin flip. You got a coin flip, you're going to get a valuable player. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want five coin flips, right? Because I'm going to have two or three good players and cut two or three not good players. That means I've just gotten better, right? Sure. If it's a, a six-round pick, it's a lottery ticket. Right? I'd rather have a bunch of free lottery tickets, right? Who wouldn't? Mm -hmm. I accept that. But saying so-and-so got picked in the first round, and that stinks because I think he should have went 37 and he went 27. History tells us, this isn't even speculation, the grades that teams get from drafts, which are simply the grader's opinion versus the GM. That's all it is. Right? If I think a guy's the best guy gets picked 10th, I'm thinking that 10th team did a great job. Oh, my God, they get the best guy at 10th. There's no correlation between those grades and future performance. None. None. Mm. Thus, these grades, it's all a big circle jerk, and we should ignore it and look to fade it. That's my premise number one. Fade if there's any adjustments made or betting that leads to the line adjustments made because of it. Thoughts? Largely agree. How do you disagree? The only disagreement would be if a team is backloading towards the future or frontloading. But, but showing... that's about capital. So well, if, they showing... if they reallotted their capital, I agree I with think you. it shows intent also that, that given they're doing that, they may continue to do that with decision make, decisions that they have to make down the road before the season starts. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give a bone. We're going to give one of our picks right now because I think the Saints – or a great example of that, right? Yeah, so New Orleans so Saints. So this is one of your best bets, right? Yes, let's it is. Let's go with it. Right All right, now. Saints over 7.5. Right now, minus $1.35. You can easily go ahead and get that. You know, I'm looking into these Saints, and they're looking to win this year. They absolutely, they're committed to Jameis Winston, who's a perfectly capable quarterback. And Questions with his knee. Yes, yes. But, I mean, this I know. I'd much rather have a gimpy Jameis Winston than, he only played seven games last year. Look at the other quarterbacks. Taysom Hill. Whoa. Simeon, he went to Northwestern, RJ. Those were not ready for primetime starting quarterbacks that had to play, you know, 10 of the games last I, year for I the Saints. You. So all all right off the bat, I've got an upgraded quarterback. And now I've got a team that traded to get number eleven, took the Ohio State wide receiver Olive. That's um a, the fact that they're willing to give up draft capital down the road. Does that does that make you pessimistic about Thomas returning? Yes, it does. So that's a negative, though, right? Well, I've already downgraded him so much, you know, that we talk about him being like the most valuable wide receiver being worth the point and a half. And then when he came back, he wasn't worth anything, you now, know? Now, right now, the Saints over under seven? Seven and a half. All right, so they got to win Over eight. minus 130. Mm, okay. So what you saw, though, in the draft was an, it was an intention to win now, even if you're paying a premium. In a weird way, it felt like a team that thought they were one player away. Yes. And then they went, speaking of one player away, then they went and signed Tyrone Matthew within the last couple of days. Mm. The Honey Badgers paid big him money. A, a big money. So here's a team already spending to upgrade their team. I expect they're going to have more acquisitions, spend all their money. Uh, the, the buy sign is blinking on the Saints' going for it this year. Okay, so you're saying the actions of the Saints, though it may affect them on the field in a positive way, that this is a um, leading indicator of other... In a way, you could say what they did in the draft should have predicted what they did with Honey Badger. Exactly. Now, well unfortunately, said. we're saying this after the Honey Badger, but you're saying, hey, there can be more examples of things the Saints are going to do that's about the future. Yes. 
I like that. Okay, so it's not anything about the draft picks even themselves, because the thing I'm saying is we can't really judge that. The assumption of any grader, and this is my kind of ancillary to the first point, the assumption of any grade is the person grading knows more about that team's needs and the quality of the player than the team. Except there's 32 teams all trying to assess their own needs, and there's one media guy trying to know all 32 teams equally well. Even if Belichick was the media grader, he couldn't do that. But how you're going to do it better than Belichick when he's got one team to worry about is absurd to me. Absolutely right. And there's certainly you could make the case that there's one player that is worthy of going in the top 20 for one team that wouldn't even be, you know, a top th- third rounder fit. because of the, the scheme, scheme fit. fit or yeah. whatever. Right. So you add that complexity. It's almost like it's so absurd that there's even draft grades themselves because mm-hmm. it's like I, if I was grading someone. Like, 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 Fez, you love, let's think of, oh, we were talking about AJ in the UFC on SOV. If I was grading AJ on UFC form, that'd be ridiculous, right? He has a MMA professional fight under his belt, right? He won it, one and oh, undefeated. He said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't know the MMA. Why should I grade it? He knows more than me. Well, it's about the same as pick your media person. This is not about any individual one. How do they know more about the Steelers and Colbert? How are they in a position to judge Colbert? They they can't be. But you were just ready to judge their quarterback. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Yeah, you see, help me see the light on that. What do you think, Scott, of this argument? Uh, I think it's it's a valid argument. And the example I'll give is just look at this draft. Quay Walker goes 22nd to the Green Bay Packers, and everyone is screaming, no one had Quay Walker in the first round. This was a complete reach, a complete, a complete overdraft. Yet if you ask the Green Bay Packers, they got exactly the guy that they wanted. They got the guy that was on top of their draft board because he probably fits their scheme. He's a guy that they viewed as one of the top inside linebackers in this draft. Yet no mocks had him going in the top in the first round. And everyone widely considers that to be the largest reach of the draft. Yet Quay Walker, his over under, I don't know if you saw this other day, was 37 and a half. This one got steamed, right? Yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. All the way to 29 and a half. And in fact, McKenzie was betting this as the huge move was hitting. You know, on Quay Walker. And he's batting it on the way down. <laughs> hey, let's just say this. McKenzie's got more. I mean, whenever Fez gets with, you know, people talk about corruption. And there's an idea that guys like the idea that some girl who's savvy is going to show up and corrupt them. <laughs> Fez is a corruptor. I mean, you know, McKenzie came in naive. Not anymore, Fez. Not anymore. I mean, all the. I mean, do you have like a book of moves you make on someone naive, and then you finally work through the like the Fonz? I think had a book on the different moves he'd make on girls. I remember it was like move twenty two. Do you do you number? I remember that? this episode where he, he's he's meeting with the girl, and he's like, "Hey, for every move the guy has, you've got a counter move." Right now, now, do you have a book with numbers? Is the question. I do not have a book, but that might change. You know, but with the ghostwriter you've offered up for me, I think I I may have to be dead first though. well we'll figure it out so <laughs> so mckenzie was on top somehow he gave me a loser though that was our only loser who was that dude charles cross but you gave me a winner that too. was my loser i know i know but mckenzie was taking credit for it till it lost but then when we get, we got the report <laughs> the next was day, fez. we got the report the next day of the picks it said mckenzie two and oh and RJ won and one somehow i got the loss mm. it, was, it was amazing it was amazing AJ, what do you think of the general concept here? Of the Saints you're talking about? Or? No, I'm talking more about is we can't, we know, we know nothing about 
the value of these players. Uh, it's when you said it on SOV this week, it really struck me as you know the right way to look at this thing. And the more I looked at the the grades on mock drafts, and I see people lambasting the Patriots for what they did. Well, what's Belichick now? Right. Like, how does anyone writing an article about football knows less about football than Bill Belichick? And it, that it, that's all you really need to know is these guys who are writing this stuff. If they had the option, they would be the GM of a football team. And they're not. I agree. And I mean, we saw when Mayock got a chance Now we could say, oh, Gruden was making the decisions. But I mean, the Raiders have drafted as poorly as anyone. You should be grading draft five years after the draft. Every year mm-hmm. there should be a five like, Dev, you know, right now, Devin Bush didn't get picked up by the Steelers today uh, his fifth year option now it's only it's only been three years maybe that's a time to have a minus three year look back have a five year look back and make that a point to I, do it I think that's the best time to do it is when they when the decision is made on fifth year options because I think right now you can look at the Raiders when they drafted three first rounders and well, they part of up, the Cleo Mack trade yeah they picked up trade. zero of their fifth year options that tells you they don't like the way that 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 draft went media personality Mayock at that let's say the quasi helm there, you know, obviously mm. it was Gruden's decision. John Gruden, by that point, also a media guy. Yeah. Uh, remember that? Yeah, that's but he was mm. watching film. <laughs> There's changes in regimes too, that really also dictate whether or not a draft was successful. Right. I mean, first of all, if you're changing general managers and coaches, we can also, you can always assume that, that it wasn't successful, but look at the giants, right? You know, Daniel Jones, no 50 year option has been picked up. And if you ask Joe Shane, he probably said, would think that Dave Gettleman made a mistake there in drafting Daniel Jones, but this has been a regime change now. So let's see where they move and what direction now they could. Well, they're giving him another year. They could franchise him. They could, you know, there's a lot of options, but it's just, uh, I think that regime change also plays into well, it's a sign. It's not. part yeah. of a grade in yes. a way. Cause yeah. it's saying, Hey, the grades in early. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, and remember if, if the, if the Raiders new GM, if he thought that Jacobs or Abram or, or Farrell yeah. or any of those guys could play, he would want to keep well, them. The tie, here's the thing. The tiebreaker is going to be get rid of the old guys. So, I mean, I'm not an expert on on NFL running backs, but Jacob seems to be someone that was considered pretty good. Yeah, he just got injured every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, he just got banged. Every year is banged up by week 12. But would you, agree, would you agree running back is the one position where GMs are less likely to want to even sign him to a second contract? Well, if that's the case, you don't want him for the first. Well, you got to have somebody to do it. Well, yeah, in the fifth round. I mean, the the whole thing, if you take a running back, you're going to get lamb back. Here's the thing about the, the – now, listen, the media is one thing. You've got the – I don't want to call them intellectuals. Let's say the the, the – the, what do we want to call them? The analytics crowd, the analytics, the pocket protector. I don't know. We'll just say analytics for now with no pejorative, no negative to them. But But what I'll say is this. They understand what they understand. It's like, Fez, you admit it. You understand game theory of the games, NFL, exceptionally well. You don't understand, like, uh, you know, three technique on the inside shoulder. Cover kind two, of yeah. yeah. Cover two, kind <laughs> of the tight ends. What is that? But you know what? You know what you don't know. Right. But when you watch a game, you can say they should have called a timeout there or exactly. they should have went for it there. And you overemphasize, like you used to think, I don't know if you still, that Tomlin was a bad coach. Oh, God, yes. Now, where's your head at now? Future Hall of Famer Mike Tomlin, you think, is what? He is a bad game management coach. He's an exceptional overall coach because game management's only 7.5% of his job. 
And that's something, though, that you emphasize to such a degree at college you're thinking otherwise. Because it's the 7.5% I understand Exactly. Well. And the fact that you understand that about yourself is why you're you and you're known around the world because that's smart. To me, most people don't understand football for real, and that's how do you critique it, right? So you critique what you see, and that is timeout. Things that Madden can teach you. Right? The, yeah. The video yes. Well said. I mean, you, Scott, you've been in the media a long time behind, you know, producer, also in the mic, national and NBC overnight. You've been around media people. It seems like there's a love of thinking they know more than they do. Is it just you think there's humility? If someone's humble and say, I don't know anything about this, that it hurts them? Or why do you think that is? I think they actually believe it. They think they know stuff. Like yeah. They could be a coach and be yeah. better. Yeah. Ooh. I used to work with a host, and I'm not going to give yeah, a name yeah, out, yeah. that used to say that if an NFL team employed him to just be their clock management See, specialist, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they would add wins to their season. And I'm Did like, you hear Fez say this? <laughs> and, and these are the yeah. same guys, yeah. RJ, that yeah. like I, it drives me crazy. Every fourth and one that fails, um, I'm not going to like throw anyone under the bus, but I'd say two-thirds of the guys you work with, Scott, say, yeah. oh, what's wrong with field goals? you got to take the points fourth and goal from the one no, no, if, if, if they fail. Only if they uh, fail. Kicking I think, for losers. We know. I think two <laughs> years ago that was the case. I think last year everyone got on the bandwagon of going for it always is good. Mm, no. I don't know. But no. I do think that there's people do believe it. Mm-hmm. They do believe that they know more than people that are employed by the teams. So, AJ, you've been in the media longer. What, what is the mentality? Do, do you agree with Scott that they really think they're better at this? Than- there are people who, who firmly believe that they could – media guys who believe they would make – NFL teams better or smarter if they, but just like there's guys on the couch who believe that same thing. Well, for sure, but they're not getting paid for their opinions. That is, right? they're, they're poor wives. That is the differentiator. To, their poor wives have to hear the opinions nonstop or, and want to kill themselves. Or their buddy group text, their college buddy group text. <laughs> you know something? Let's be honest for a second. And you, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but just day to day now for what nine months or so, eight months, is. I would make the case that when I'm confident, I'm as confident as anyone, but I probably am more, have more humility about things I don't know than I think most anyone I've ever met. Is that a weird dichotomy? Like, as you see that, do you think, man, he is confident or, you know, maybe a little egotistical in this way, but he admits he doesn't know this or that. Do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do think that is, it's one of your qualities, honestly. It's uh, one, one of the things Keep I, going. one of the things I respect about you is it, it is a, it's annoying to work with you day to day because you are kind of a know-it-all. And I'm right all the time. You're, Almost You're always. often right, <laughs> uh, but you, you do admit no. Like when you when you're uncomfortable in a realm, you don't try to. You're not a phony expert. That's yeah. what I would call. It. There's a lot of people out there who will. Tr- and this happens in college basketball all the time. Every March, eighty five percent of guys that do sports radio suddenly know everything about college <laughs> basketball and haven't watched a single game all year. But they know because they they, they know. But you are but you're I win good. My bracket pool every year. <laughs> yeah, but you're good about. Hey, this isn't this isn't something I'm I'm keen on, and you, you're you're good at it. And you're thinking I had to painfully watch that New Mexico State yes. game in January. I got to get credit for yes. it somehow. I agree. To me, I'm so afraid of being wrong. Like I I really have a fear of being wrong. That if I don't know something, it's almost a comfort to me to say I don't know it because now I don't have to worry about being wrong about it because. I, I don't know. I told Fez this a long time ago. I, I'm more afraid of being wrong than I want to be right. But but it's funny. Yeah. It's a funny dichotomy because you also are big on 
let's push the envelope on the radio and let's let's give you know opinions, strong opinions, and often about strong the opinions. stuff he knows about. Yeah, and, and I also think there's a tendency of someone that's been a long time in the business as you, and you're only 41, but you've been doing radio since you were what, like 23? 24, yeah. Yeah, uh, started in Austin. Became an uh, in a way someone that uh, Howard Stern would crib off of. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, did you ever hear Scott? You you, you got to hear this story. This is there's one story. Oh, we're doing it again. There's one story that represents. I, I was wrong. AJ, dude, relax. <laughs> and there's one that represents Mackenzie. And and once you hear these, you can know him for 20 years, and there will be no better story to represent. <laughs> All right. For AJ, it was he used to he was a big Howard Stern fan. He still yeah. is. I respect that because I am too. He used to, before even YouTube, like you'd get like tapes or something saying. Yeah, cassette tapes. Like people would tape it for him and he listened. But he didn't listen to every show every day, right? So he came up with an idea for a bit. And the bit was. Black Jeopardy. All right. So the theory was, now this is back in your, you know, you were over the top, morning zoo kind of stuff in Austin. And it was, you know, some premise where there's black guys or gals playing Jeopardy. Yeah. Way before the SNL. Asking, asking. It was. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So he's telling me that story like three years ago. Then he says, and you know what? And I've never been able to legally prove it. He goes, but SNL heard me do this and they emulated it. I will defend him uh-huh. because this has you happened better, you, to you me. Better, you, be, you better Because this has happened to me. <laughs> so here's the thing. Everyone says this though, like Fratto, every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, did you hear Not so-and-so's show? Bernie, Bernie's way too. And you know what? They took it from me. Listen, I believe though that this actually happened <laughs> because it was an SNL story <laughs> and I told this idea, and it's my fault for sharing the idea, on New York City Radio. Wait, did you so, beat me to Black Jeopardy no, too? No, 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 no. <laughs> but I had this idea of a, you know, it was around the holiday time, and you know those car commercials where you see like the, the husband buys the wife a new car. It's like a Lexus commercial or a Mercedes commercial, that was where it's you? like like a surprise, like the blindfold, <laughs> and they they walk sure. outside and there's a car. And I was on a New York City radio station, and I was I saw the commercial during the break, and I said, wouldn't it be hilarious if like. You know, you did a fake commercial where you unveil the surprise and the wife completely flips out and the husband's like, you bought a car without me knowing? Like, like this is a fine, this is an important financial decision. Like, how did you just do this? And literally the following year, it was on Saturday Night Live around the holiday time. They did a spoof of that commercial where it was exactly what I had talked about. Scott, I promise you. Howard Stern came up with your idea ten years before you ever oh, thought no, of sure. it. Here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. But mine was a little like New York based. Like all the <laughs> SNL writers live in New York. They might have been listening to me. Like somebody might have heard this idea or subconsciously heard it and they stole it. I don't know. Who knows? I can't prove it. But but I defend AJ. But but he was the first person to come up with Black Jeopardy. All right. All right. But here's the kicker to all of this. Here's the kicker, which is Howard Stern was doing this years and years before. AJ, like in the eighties, he was 80s. doing it, and and he was complaining also that Saturday Night yeah. Live stole from him. So he, you went like twenty years, yeah, thinking they stole it. Not probably fifteen. Yeah, fifteen years. That is great. Because and you know what else though really shows you that AJ is a good guy is he kind of took it. He, he resisted a little thing because, you know, damn. And, and and he let it be. He let it be. So I give him credit. Now the McKenzie one's simple. You know, his, his first cousins with Kyle Shanahan, did you know that? Mm-hmm. I did know that. Okay. And, I mean, biologically, for it's not like, you know, some metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is he got in, uh, he was 22 years old. So this was, what, 10 years ago? 
And he, you know, his uncle Mike Shanahan. Now, the thing that's curious about McKenzie, McKenzie's a man of color. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? I I did notice that. I had questions about it. Yeah, a lot of questions. And then it's like, okay, then I I still don't have it all figured out. But I I mean, because Shanahan's aren't particularly dark-skinned. You know, you look at them, you're not thinking, hmm. (laughs) But it's interesting because when I – McKenzie's the only thing – that, that, that makes us like, you know, we got a lot of mid, middle-aged white guys here, let's be honest. And Mackenzie's a little younger. He's a person of color. It's like, I like that. I like a different voice. I right? like I'm still middle-aged. Well, I, wow, we're being generous. Fast. <laughs> no, I'm not as happy. <laughs> well, there's a range of middle-aged. Yeah, that's always funny. If someone's 65, like, you're not even close. If someone's 65, they're like, I'm middle-aged. It's like, mm. well, you're going to live to 130? Yeah, you're still getting that discount at McDonald's, though, buddy. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Now, now here, <laughs> here's the thing about Mackenzie, though. I like that he's a person of color, I, but I also like he's cousin Kyle's cousin. But those don't seem to go together, do they? No. So I always got to explain it. But anyway, here's the thing. He got, he got a gig as a PR. Uh, what would you call the gig? Intern, PR intern. Intern at the Redskins at, of the, at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uncle Mike was there. Yeah. The first day they have we call or- that nepotism. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The first Kyle was the coordinator. The, the first day they have uh, orientation, they say, "Listen, we're pretty loose here, but there's one thing that you cannot forget. This is a deal breaker. It's a fireboy fence. You can't talk to the media about anything about your job as a representative of this team. Just we got to coordinate that ourselves. You can't do it." Kenzie says, "I got you, buddy." <laughs> that night he goes on a podcast. Talks about his role <laughs> and everything. By noon the next day, he was already fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, they did. They did let you cut film after that, right? Yeah, they let me. They let me stay on board yeah. in a different role. <laughs> and I and I doesn't that encompass McKenzie? It's just like going into the Wonka factory. Don't touch the chocolate <laughs> exactly. river. If and he, there, McKenzie <laughs> is mm-hmm. drinking mm-hmm. out of it. If McKenzie wasn't family. Do you think he would have even been in the film room or they would have just said, pack your shit, you're gone? Yeah, they would have said, what the hell is Yale doing at this point? <laughs> but in a weird way, that's why he's here. His love of the mic brought him here as like a, excuse me, as a pilgrimage. Okay, so anyway, rounded it all the way back. Not sure you've ever used pilgrimage. I don't think I have either. I, I don't I, ever recall. I used one yesterday. We're sa- Mackenzie said he never heard. We're saving it for you. Mm, right, Mackenzie? It's a good one. All right, so... <laughs> so I'm going to do an ancillary of this we don't know nothing kind of concept. And I do think it's fascinating that the entire industrial entertainment complex of the draft is all around us being able to judge the draft. And not to mention, Fez, think about the precursor to it. All these predictions of who people are taking, the day the draft happens, all that becomes a a circle jerk too. It's like, what was the point of predicting? Now we know. Right? Yeah. yeah, a little bit off on Willis, right? Yeah. Yeah, just a little outside. But who cares? Who cares? It's, it's, it's now all... he's on Tennessee. That's what matters, right? Exactly. But but we spend all this time saying, is he going to go sixth or is he going to go seventh? They might trade up to two. If you're not betting <laughs> on it, what's the difference? What's the difference? Okay, but I would say the following. There's a couple cases where things matter. And I think one is inversely related to what people think. Now, the one that isn't is if you reach... If you do something that the consensus of the media, which is all consensus is the media, if you pick someone way before they say you should, it's one person, the decision maker, bucking the consensus of media people. Yes. Wisdom of crowds would say 
the consensus knows more. But you would say Belichick knows more than any individual media member. Does he know more than all the media members? History says no. New York Times did a study on this. There were 10 reaches, and they said two of them were successes, eight were busts. I think it's the last 10 years. Interesting. Or so. Now, again, we can say, well, why 10 years? What's the threshold of a reach? You know, Irvin from the Seattle was on that list. Was that his name, Irvin, the, the, the 2012 DN they took, mm-hmm. I think? And they said he was an unsuccessful pig. I, I'm not sure about that, but okay, let's say. But it's still, even if it was three and seven, it doesn't look good, right? Right. I think in general, if, Be- if Belichick just said to himself, I'm going to make the pick I want, but if it's more than a round from consensus, I'm going to wait. And you know, I love that. Have a, 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 a criteria where you say, I'm, I'm, smarter, him, so much. I'm smarter by seven and a half picks. Once we go past <laughs> yeah, seven and a half, right. all right, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, whatever it is, I think it would be a governor. But again, he's Belichick, so he does what he wants. Sure. Okay. But here's the thing, I think if we flip it, that's huge. If someone's dropping... By taking them late, you are bucking the consensus of all the other 31 GM slash decision makers. Mm-hmm. By definition, once you draw more in a round, everyone had a chance to take you. And they yes. all said, no, thank you. In the second round, Malik Willis could have been taken by any of those teams. Everyone said, nah, 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 nah. So when you finally get taken, you've now bucked. It's a wisdom of crowds, but it's not the media who's inferior. It's your other 31 cohort cohorts that are now your peers, and they're saying you're wrong, and you're saying, no, no, you guys are wrong. Now, the only thing that makes that a little subtle is each pick that you go back, it becomes cheaper and cheaper, cheaper and cheaper. Right. So really, you're bucking like the last 10 guys. Yeah. yeah. Right? We but, say but, that but what, what I'm saying is, in general, though, those droppers always get Huge credit in the grades. Oh, look, Baltimore got a guy that dropped his. But how many droppers do we ever remember that dropped more in a round, let's say? Because AJ brought up Aaron Rodgers yesterday. It's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers dropped like 20 picks, right? Yes. Is, I say it's more in a round because that allows you to – everyone saying no, meaning all the teams. How often does a guy go in the fourth that should have went in the second that, that, that really does well in the NFL? Probably not that often, right? right? We, we hear their Ooh. name that night. And then we probably we almost never hear it again. Although I think when someone goes late first round, they're supposed to go top ten. I think that's the same, roughly. That what wouldn't. But everyone. But I think with quarterbacks, that can't be because it matters who wants a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Maybe with I'm going like with the Jets. You know, getting Jermaine Johnson twenty sixth, and everyone's like he was a borderline top ten guy. Mm That that you know that mm. that everyone. But was he a borderline top ten guy, or was he a borderline top ten guy because everybody linked him to the Jets, who had two first round picks? Mm. That's that's. A and that sage brings comment. up the whole point: if, if consensus is only coming from the media anyway, we got to put a question mark on it. But what we know is, in general, the consensus ain't that far off because most picks are close to it. it, it thus, if someone draws more than a round. All the consensus givers are going to love it when he gets picked. My point is, historically, those picks haven't done well Mm because you've been bucking. It it only takes one person to make a pick. It takes the entire league to let someone drop around. And for all we know, there could be one organization that has inside information. This 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 kid is troubled, has issues, and and you know what? They can't come out publicly about it, but they know, people know each other, right? So like the Saints GM might know the Giants GM, and but again, maybe half of the the league is getting the memo, and half aren't. I mean, possibly we're, we're acting like the the media people 
are somehow peers of the GMs. The GMs are the only authorities that matter. The only Great. money that's being spent is by their decision. The media people are just trying to drum up interest so they get paid because people are going to watch their shows. Mm -hmm. So in general, and I think we're not giving this enough import, Fed. So just one more time, think about this. If everyone, I mean, we can try to find these little cases. It's not true. But in general, if a guy drops around, the NFL collectively is saying, no, thank you. And all things being equal, a guy drops around, he's supposed to go in the second round, and he's available end of the third. I'm not picking him. Somebody, even though I don't know why he's dropped this much, I'm fearful. There is something to that. Like, there are, and I've talked to, you know, people that have been in those rooms, that there is, if someone does drop, that, like, if you have somebody on your board that you clearly have them higher than somebody else, right? And and let's say it's a defensive end that you have number two on your board, and everybody's passing on them. Now there's questions that start to go around your room. What did we miss? Exactly. And was this, there something in the medical that we missed? And this was, was documented. Was there something in the interview that we missed? Let's go back and do our due diligence now once again to see if we missed anything. And now everyone's scrambling inside that facility to go back through their notes to see if there was something that they missed because they had this person at the top of their draft board, but yet no other team has snagged that player. There's got to be a reason why. And I know it was a movie, but I think this was well done with Draft Day, um, 2014 movie, right? Where Bo Callahan was a consensus number one to go at quarterback. Levante Macker, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so Callahan doesn't go number one. He starts slipping, slipping, slipping. The Jaguars are picking six. Well, his teammates didn't go and to the, his birthday and, party. What do you and, and the GM, the GM is like looking at this like like he's talking to Kevin Costner. He's like, "Talk to me. What's wrong with Callahan, yeah. man? Well, I, I don't want to look well, like I, look I'm foolish. I'm confused. You're making a case that the movie showed something, and thus it's true. Well, I thought it was a what? good representation but of I, what. But they, that would have presupposed you know what's really happening in <laughs> yeah. those right. It's a it's a representation of your vision of it. Which was formed by the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, the medical reports. You almost number... gave us an example of this. Now, the, the medical reports are the number one thing that they will go back and reevaluate and see if they missed something and try and get second and third yeah, opinions. I, I think there's a second factor here, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. Since they know that the public perception is going to be shaped by the draft grades, there's incentive to take a guy when he falls because you know you're going to get a good grade. Mm -hmm. So I, go ahead. I was just say the, the Titans are the the beneficiaries of that. Everyone's like, wow, Malik Will. They got Malik Willis in the third. I think the fact that the Atlanta Falcons in the mid third took Desmond Ritter before Malik Willis, even though Malik Willis is an Atlanta guy, and everybody was saying oh, if it goes to Atlanta, they're going to get him. There were people talking about Atlanta in the first round taking him. The fact that Atlanta passed on him three times tells me there, there's something about him that the, was just undesirable. The betting market, if we look at Malik Willis' over-under even two or three weeks ago, McKenzie, what were we sitting at? Like 11 and a half? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The betting market said 11 and a half, and he was picked what? Pick 86. A, 86. That's higher. I mean, but if you, but if you think about it, it's like the betting market's sacrosanct. It's like, oh, my gosh, it is, it is unimpeachable, the betting market. It's like, no, the betting market has no idea. It's coming from, as you've identified, Fez, the mocks. Now, are you right. able to sift through the mocks better than the betting market? You went, you know, your picks, by the way, with the guarantee, 8-1 and one on the draft. Eight winners, one loser. 0-1 oh in the USFL. Combined score, 80%. 
right. Everyone, and by the way, the response was massive to that. Thank you for that because we did guarantee it. But you know what? You just get the winners. That's your guarantee <laughs> now. You got your winners. Now, Fez, we won't be guaranteeing stuff much, but one thing we'll do for sure is by next Super Bowl, we're going to guarantee your props. We've never done it before. Now, I told people we're going to have to increase the price because I was sick of it. But it's going to be guaranteed. And your history on the props. Love it. We're going to, because we're going to win I mean, you, again. You've been like, what, 80% now over like four years yeah, or something? Yeah, it, 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 it's like 16 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so strong stuff. So we'll do that. But we'll probably find another spot or two to guarantee. But, um, you know, between now and then. But kudos on that. Kudos to all the winners that followed. Last thing for me. So let's agree to the following. I think Scott brought up a good point. I think if someone's dropping, there is a sense of what don't we know. Mm -hmm. I also think there's a sense, as AJ said, that, hey, we're going to get love for making this value pick. The very fact that none of the grades ever correlate to success in the future, and that's been studied, means the grades are worthless. There's no correlation. The color of the uniforms mean as much. Like, I knew a friend had a girlfriend that said, which of the mascots would win in a fight? Mm -hmm. That's how she would make the picks. Mm -hmm. So the dolphin would have trouble against the jaguar or whatever. Sure. Who'd she take with lions bears? That's what I want to know. Oh, I think you got to go with the bear. Yeah. Oof. Especially if it's a grizz. <laughs> You're not going to see any lion attacking where, no bear. Never. Where's the fight going to take place? Like on though? the bears' home turf? Yeah. Like are we in the forest? Or in the mountains? Are we in the yeah. river? Who's got home field advantage? Okay. Well, I guess that determines it. Yeah. Okay. That's why it's worth three. <laughs> so that's interesting. Like the dolphin might do, but at least the dolphin, I'm going to go under the total if it's a dolphin against the bear, but it's in Miami. Hmm. I don't think there'll be much action. <laughs> well, no. bears are good at fishing. Though. <laughs> uh, no, that's just the picture. No, the bears no, they play, po they play bear poker. They no, a bear salmon, out of, salmon out, of the, yeah. out of the river. Yeah, but the dolphin's going to be river. way out uh, there. <laughs> yeah, they can't get out there. You're right. But don't the bears play yeah. poker? They do. Dogs. No, it's dogs that play uh, poker. Yeah. It's the Browns you're talking about. You know what's you know what? That's funnier than most sitcoms. Like we like what we just did. I don't know who's in those writers' rooms, but they're not that funny. I mean, unless it's Larry Sanders, maybe Simpson. Well, coming up this Saturday on Saturday Night Live. I've right? changed my I've changed my pick. Cardinals under uh, this season. I've decided Cardinals not going to win many matchups. I don't because think. because they're wussy. I mean, it's a tiny little bird. What what are we doing? No, here? They, they they redid the logo. It's an angrier bird now. Now, Eagles-Falcons is an interesting That's matchup. a good game. See, we really got people thinking. Yeah. Let's, we'll, 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 this will be a new segment each week. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That girl's handicapping approach had an equal correlation to the future than the draft grades. None. None. In fact, we don't know what her correlation was. It could be higher. So stop with it. But take advantage of it. When other people are stupid, this is the only thing that keeps me sane, to be honest. If there was socialism... I couldn't live. Here's why. I would think I'm making the right decision. This person over here is making the wrong one, but they got the same as me. That's not fair. <clears throat> I don't think it's fair either, but it would cause me <clears throat> to probably kill myself <laughs> soon enough because I would be so... <laughs> or kill somebody else. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe suicide by proxy. But the fact of the matter is, is to me... I like when people are wrong because I can take advantage of it. That's the only thing that keeps me okay. And we're and we're gambling for those listening. So RJ's got his dice in front of him. I got my cards, <laughs> so I'm not saying we're like into about? all this, but you know, I'm I, listen. I listen. Life is full of chances. I like to make a calculated uh, risk. You could even make the case. I mean, I, that's what personally I would call it. And so would my guy here. <laughs> 
But you need to understand it is not a gamble. It is a calculated risk. That's what we do, Fez. Okay. To recap, because I think it's important. If a, if a guy reaches, he's bucking the consensus, the wisdom of crowds of the media. Even that is troublesome. Even Belichick. We'll see. If a team picks a dropping player, he's bucking the consensus of his peers, which is even more of a problem, except each pick that goes by, it's a cheaper price. So at a certain point, maybe it's got value. But it's a it's, game of chicken. At most, it's going to be a little value. Because if someone says— I, I agree with this strongly, that the little value is oftentimes the best value. Like when a guy well, is— why is that? Because when a guy is supposed to go 10th and you can get him 14th, no one's saying, hey, he was free-falling. It's just the other team's but, a different but, 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 needs. you got to hear me. you got to hear me. Mm-hmm. We're talking one round or more. Okay. Because that's why that's you can a free spin. Fall. Then you're spinning that the, these three players didn't need a DN. Yeah. These three teams. I'm saying once you've dropped around, you've gone through everyone. I agree with you. And now, I'm saying at that point, there's not value yeah. there. Because the most value there can be is a team picking 15th says at 22 they would have taken them. Yeah. But once it gets back to them again, they're going to take them at the next 50. So the, I think this is broad strokes, but in general, there might be a little value if you pass from no value to fairly priced to a little value. But you're not going to make much more than that cycle through hard, a round. Hard anyway. to believe because if this guy, I mean, how did he fall through 32? And all these and all these other teams know, wait a minute, dude was supposed to go 33rd. We can get him 47. Nah. Yeah, and there, is that a fact nah. or did we miss? But yeah. You add it all up. But here's what we know. Who gets the best grades? The guys that take the following people. Right, because they they got a guy in the fourth round that was graded as a late second rounder. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's true and, and, and really speaks strongly to how everyone else is wrong about this. Now, we're going to make our picks. We're going to start with AJ. These are going to be a best bet. From each of them. Fez has already given you one. New Orleans Saints over seven and a half, minus 130. And his thinking is the actions of the Saints show a team focused on winning this year, which was uncertain, to be honest. This could have been a rebuilding year. AJ, your pick. My pick under six wins for the Carolina Panthers. One of the teams that did the least, at least by, you know, how many picks they had in the draft, uh, only two picks in the first three rounds. They used one, their first round pick, they used on a left tackle, Ike Aquanu, which I think is a solid pick, but a pick that's not going to pay immediate dividends. And then their their third pick they use on Matt Corral. Well, first off, we don't care what you think of the pick. Okay. Because that's that, that in a way that goes against the whole point of what but, we're saying. But, but can we say picking a tackle isn't something that's going to change your franchise well, overnight? What is going to change him overnight? A quarterback. A, a quarterback can change your franchise overnight. Uh, let's a, agree. a tackle cannot. Let's agree with that, and I'm going to speak on that. But I don't. I know it's your turn, so I'm going to let you finish. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, and I, not that I. By the way, Matt Corral. What we talked about last week about having some inside information. CBS is now re- reporting that Matt Corral slipped because of off-field issues. Uh, and if they, they're not saying what it is, I didn't want to say last week mm-hmm. that that's what it was, but it, he had some sort of off field issues. A lot of people saying so substance on SOV. You had some insight on that. We gave the over, which is to go later. And it obviously was correct. Yeah. This year, their schedule toughens up. They get the AFC North really deep division. No cakewalk games in the AFC North. They get the NFC West. Last year, they got the NFC East and the AFC East filled with the Jets, filled with the the football team. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Those two divisions last year, this year, upgrade and strength of schedule for sure. Yeah, and now they get their their cross-conference game, the one random cross-conference 
conference game last year was the Texans this year, the Denver Broncos, which looks a lot tougher than it did two months ago. So overall, the schedule is tougher net net. I don't think they did enough in the draft to, to upgrade their team for the immediate. Uh, So I, I like, how do you, that's the question is other than a quarterback and we're going to talk about that later because there's different debates on if you take a, like the Steelers, did they help their upside or not? You're saying by not taking a quarterback, it almost guarantees them to the uh, the curse of Sam Darnold. Doesn't it sound like a team a team that we perceive needs a quarterback going into the season? If they focus on other things during the draft, doesn't that tell you they're building towards their future when they have a quarterback? Or they have a. a, a, a more confidence in that quarterback than you would think. They're, they can't possibly have more confidence. But then why they dra- then why they draft Corral? Yeah, but I, yeah. I mean the the Patriots just picked a. I mean, yeah. good, good teams. Here's the thing: it's I think a phenomenon we're going to see is backup quarterbacks have gotten expensive, right? And you look at some of these backup quarterbacks making seven, eight million a year. They're no good. So why not get a guy that could become something like Kirk Cousins and the Washington football team? Well, that ended up really working out. But what I'm saying is, let's look at Mason Rudolph. Let's say Mason Rudolph's never going to be because he's not a star in the NFL. (laughs) You think he's a fairly competent backup? Sure. So if you got five years or four years of him, then you let him go. And then you pick another one and just keep rotating through. And what the Patriots do is they keep him for three years, trade him for a better pick than they picked him for, and then do it again. But Belichick's not very smart. So, But I would agree with you in general. They got a long-shot quarterback, but probably not a quarterback that can help him this year. Yes. So uh, to me overall, the Panthers downgraded year to year. Uh, and I, I just don't see Darnold getting two more wins this year than he did last year. All right. So last year, the number of wins with Carolina was? I don't know what the preseason. They had five no, wins. They had five wins. Yep. You remember the win total? I'm guessing seven from yeah. McKen- or McKenzie, you want to take a second and pull that out? It might take a minute. That's yeah. fine. Um, so let's think about because I think he's going about this the right way, Fez. He's looking at the factors that can change year to year. Strength of schedule is one of them, right? Now, it seems like they're not really changing the team with keeping, you know, Sam Darnold. So it's like, okay. Uh, if they fired Joe Brady. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I'm hearing different things there. I, uh, to me, initially, I thought that was a sign of, and, and let's be honest, um, the coach keeping his job is a big question mark. Matt Even Rule. Though, yeah, Matt Rule. The, the, there really was, the fact he got a six-year deal initially, if I'm not mistaken, it was a big money deal. There was a sense he was safe, safe, safe. I don't know. Any, this this uh, Tepper is a billionaire. He's impatient. He's smart. Carolina has been erratic to me. I mean, even what they did with um, this, uh, the New England cornerback. Uh, uh, Gilmore. Gilmore. The fact they traded for him when they were in the middle of a year that didn't seem like they were doing anything. So erratic in their player personnel. They've been pretty consistently bad, you know, in terms of on the field. Um, you know, here's a team that just absolutely that. I don't recall them having any winning streaks <laughs> at all under rule. It's like they well, never. They started 3 0, remember? Then oh, they went, then that's they went right. You're Dallas. right. You're right. That's a good point. Remember, the line of that Dallas game was like four. Yes. Remember? So they had yeah, some optimism. That's a good I forgot about that. So, so in general, I kind of would be a little afraid that they might make some blockbuster trade. I guess the question is, is there a reason not to wait until – because whenever you bet this early, you're making a commitment. The only reason to bet early 
is you feel this number is not going to be available down the road. Because otherwise, why type? If you think you got the right side, you always think it's going to move against you. Yes. So and 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 let's talk about that. Is it realistic that Carolina could drop the five and a half? Boy, that's that's a really low number. That's an interesting point. Aren't are, are they at the the edge of the the likely spreads for them uh, over under numbers? I think this is probably. I don't think it goes lower. So then why why not wait? It's a good question. You asked me to have one today. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I mean, that, in a way, that's why we're doing this together. We're thinking this yeah. through. I think I generally agree with your handicap, but I want to have Sam. Can you commit to me that Sam, Sam Darnold is behind center? Yeah. So Sam yeah. won. The, te- the team like that, baseball action. The name that was yeah. most tied. Or I want the bad pitcher, pitcher yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. The name that was most tied to the Panthers was Baker Mayfield. Like uh, the team, which they still can get. They still could, but drafting Matt Corral, it seems, with the, the second pick that they had makes that less viable. Now, that's a great point because no, because if Mayfield that. shows up, we can just light oh. our ticket on fire. Well, let's just say it gets less attractive. Yeah, it's going to go to seven, you know, well, yeah. So so let's agree to the following. I don't see any, and, and let's be honest, Temper's going to probably make a, some kind of bold move that at least the perception will be positive. I, and let's I was going to say, what Fez said is the number will jump up if they sign Baker Mayfield. I'd probably like to bet it like the new number once they get Baker Mayfield because I like Mayfield less than the market will. Okay. Sure, but we Which want to play a, under seven, yeah. not six. So let's agree to the following. I love your handicap. The idea of betting this early is new to us. We haven't done this a ton. I think we're going to have to work through it ourselves. I think we wait, call this a pending, or not even pending, call this, uh, it's in the backlog, and we'll check it at different points up until the season. I like that. Yeah. Here's what I'm thinking. Sounds like a deal. And how about I? Since I won't make this an official best bet, I'll give a UFC bet best bet later there on in the go. show. I like. He's very focused on the customer, on the listener. Yeah. I like. I it. don't want to hide my balls up in my chest. Mackenzie, are you learning anything? Every day. All right. Good. <laughs> I got an idea, Fez, and I'll get other people's thoughts. But we're the ones that really be doing this big. What do you think about us having a multiple month lead up? To us making a gigantic bet on one, like we have a, a show bet, meaning the entire show is going to be rooting for over or under a certain team this year. Mm-hmm. All right? And let's just say when you and I, and we get everyone else's opinion and get Maddie Holt's opinion, like we'll roll the whole extended family into it and get one pick that we all agree with that isn't one of those picks that feels consensus because it's safe. I hate that. I like it when it's bold, but no one can really buck it. And then you and I bet like 25 dimes on it or something. Like make a mon- like I guess it's going to be hard to get that much off on a win total, right? We could get down. Yeah, I think we, we do something down. that the entire that we. I like the ten grand number. I thought to anything more, you're thumping yeah. your chest. You know, just like, oh, look I like, at my well, ticket. Jesus Christ, you were thumping your chest about moving a. I'm the guy that bet six times on the USFL <laughs> exactly. opener. Yeah, okay. All right, so the, all right, we can talk about the number, and again, not that other people won't be involved. You know, because we're all you know, but the fact that and again, I, one thing I appreciate about Scott. Scott is a grinding better that loves to bet. He's a record recreational better who's taking it you know he's a media guy who loves betting to me he's got more insight because of his humility he's not going to act like he's betting thousands a game it's someone that's trying to act like that that doesn't 
that gets in the way of good good uh, media. So I love the fact that, hey, he'll jump in. Maybe he makes a big bet with us, but it's for him, it's going to be a big bet, and it's going to be a piece of the whole bet. And just last week, if you recall, Scott and I were discussing baseball and the Cincinnati Reds and how god-awful the Reds are, and I brought up Arizona as well, mm-hmm. but you specifically said, eh, Arizona, not so much, but this Reds, th- this is a terrible, yep. terrible team. We recommended playing under 71.5 on the Cincinnati Reds RJ, you know what Cincinnati Reds over-under is what? right now? What's the lowest it could be? 64 and a half. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good adjustment real quick. No, listen, his depth of knowledge is great. In, in a weird way, what I'm saying is if you listen to him, you might think this guy knows as much as anyone. Then you hear some of the stuff about buying half points, or then you're thinking, ah, he doesn't understand. You We're know, talking about buying two. He doesn't care. that. No, 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 no. <laughs> care about the batting as much. But the truth is it's that hybrid that in the, in the, the, the truthfulness of it that lets me uh, gain from him. When I listen to him, I know where he's coming from. And a lot of people in sports batting, especially today, are trying to act like there's something they're not. Right, you might hear me if I bet five thousand on something. It's a it's a bet that matters to me. You might say, "Geez, or I thought people bet millions." Yeah, maybe they do. I for me, five thousand is a lot on a game, and I'm not betting that every day, not even close. So what I'm saying is, I want to be who I am. I want everyone here to be what they are. If anyone tries to be something they're not, it ruins it because they're nervous, they're double talking. Mm-hmm. I just want the truth. Fez is the kind of guy that triple hits a USFL game, and then he talks about it for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that, I Bites mean, that's through you, the apple core. That's you. <laughs> but you like that idea of a, like we the whole months are like we're trying to find that Build one game up. that we can all. It's not about building up. It's about getting the right answer. Yes, I right? like it. I like it too. What do you think, McKenzie? I love it. I often think if I had you know 50 hours between the next game, I would be such a better handicapper. Well, we have. Plus, and it would help your naps. Yeah, I wish I could just freeze time. It'd I w- be cool. I want to play an AFC team to go under because they got nine road games, and we've discussed how they did the market just never quite reflects that enough. You know something? Make sure I get in. Is the Super Contest or is the Hilton going to – Hilton. Is the Westgate going to have the same kind of props contest that you won last year? The season wins? Yeah. Finish second. I, yeah. You, yeah they, yes. I, yeah. I'm getting in there. And you Absolutely. and I should have a little heads up bat. You, we, Let's we, just say we, that. You should enter. I'll enter. You, but and I'll enter. You and yeah. I, we're yeah. separately – Oh. And then we'll go heads up. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we'll do that and have a third entry that's our combo. Exactly. I like that. That's what I want. How much? It wasn't much to get in. What, a nickel or something? $200? Yeah, Sixty five hundred for second that's place. That's like that's like what they do with the uh, the baseball wins contest. Oh my yeah. god! Did I tell you what happened? The goddamn season win. <laughs> go I, ahead. So I go down there the night before opening mm-hmm. day. Right, I get there. It's like nine. This is the Westgate. Yes. Okay. I get there at nine ten to sign up. It's the night before opening day. Guess what? Uh, the cutoff to enter is ten p.m. That's fine. I'm there. I, I you know mm-hmm. the cutoff to put in your picks is ten p.m. Also. Don't have time to get to, to get it all done, so, so I didn't are, get these in. These are season wins on the baseball season. Yeah. yeah, and it was the day before the season. You didn't have your handicapping done. They didn't let me like like put it in the morning of. I had to put my picks <laughs> they, in they, the day before. It's like the NFL. Think about that. Imagine that they close the contest. Maybe they do, but but, but I think they keep yeah, it open but, until but I can't Sunday imagine morning. The night, but the Saturday night before the week one of the NFL seasons, when you're really uh, wondering how right. good is Carolina? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but we were doing a podcast and it ran late. It's all for you, people. It's true. <laughs> All right. So we got our deferred pick from AJ. I liked it generally. I like betting against Sam Darnold whenever you, I just need guarantees. 
You know, it's all, all, remember in The Godfather when he goes, but when Corleone's position becomes stronger, I need guarantees. Jeez. I need guarantees that Sam Darnold is going to quarterback. Best bet, Scott. I'm going to go with the Jets over five and a half, and this is a number that will move right Wait, now. Is this off the draft grades? Yes. Okay. This is minus 130 right now. It will move. I expect it to go to six. Wouldn't be shocked if it gets bet even higher, and this is a full game, six and a half. Uh, but five and a half is too low for a team that I think improved themselves so much in this draft. Everyone widely considers them to have the best draft. They won the draft, right? With the uh, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and Brees Hall. Those are four players that will have a legit impact this season. Now you have a double-headed uh, monster at running back, which is what every team wants now. So you have Michael Carter and Brees Hall at your running back position. Garrett Wilson adds to what is, you could argue, is the deepest wide receiving core that the Jets have ever had. You know, Corey Davis and um, Elijah Moore, last year's draft pick, and and now Garrett Wilson. Jermaine Johnson adds an edge rusher that they lacked with injuries that they had over the past couple of seasons. And Sauce Gardner, he's the guy that, you know, it's, it's funny because in my mock that I uh, had sent in, I put Sauce Gardner fourth to the Jets. But then that whole Makai Becton story came out, and I wound up betting – uh, Iquanu to go fourth mm. overall to the Jets. So I didn't have any money on Sauce Gardner to go fourth. That was a huge missed opportunity there for me. But We, he, we gave that out as the best bet, RJ, on this pod. I love it. Under I, five and a half. Yeah, it's great because he fits what Robert Salah wants to do with this Jets defense and, and, and is have a guy that can cover one-on-one while be able to create pressure and send an extra rusher at the opposing but, but, quarterback. But is that true? Because the 40, I mean, this is a 49ers defense, right? Mm, hybrid. Sort yeah, of. and isn't it about it's running the Seattle cover three, right? So, I mean, it's about having D-line that can get pressure, and you're playing zone behind it typically. Mm, right? D-line that can get pressure, sending an extra attacker, sending an extra a rusher, I think is but, what we have seen or tried to see. Yeah, I'm not and, saying that there isn't going to yeah. be a variation mm-hmm. of it, but it doesn't feel like it fits the – it's not more the same out of Salah. It feels like it's maybe a, 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 a if, modern, modernizing of it. But I think if you listen to a lot of conversations, the reason why I thought Sauce and and I should have not I should have ignored that leaking story about Makai Becton as a smokescreen. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about wanting a guy that can cover one on one without help, and that is what Sauce Gardner can do. I thought he was right there with Derek Stingley, top two defensive backs in this draft. So and, and I think that's consensus. Opinion. Yeah, exactly. So I think the Jets got four players in the first two rounds that will have immediate significant playing time and impact on this team. Okay, now some people might be thinking, wait a minute, Scott sounds like he's really going against RJ's general concept. I don't think so, and here's why. Maybe he is, but it's only 10 or 20% of it, which is his opinion of these players. I don't care about that. What I care about is they had the third or the fourth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. They had the 10th the pick in the, the draft. The 26th and the 34th. Yeah. And, and those are resources, and they are being applied to this year. They mm-hmm. could have traded it for something next year. And I think in general, this regime, Salal included, and the GM who's been Joe there Douglas. longer, they better win. Yeah. I mean, it's time to win. It's not about the future mm-hmm. anymore. They got to get to eight or nine wins. And look at their schedule. Uh, home opponents this season outside of the division, Bengals and Ravens, you know that's going to be tough. Jaguars, Bears, Lions are games that you could win at home. On the road, you'll have 
the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Browns. Maybe you steal some wins there. And then in the division, obviously, they play yeah. in Green Bay at Denver. Those are going to be tough games. They'll be heavily underdogged in those games. The thing that worries me about this is that two of their four wins last year came against the Jags and the Texans, like against the teams that there was almost you almost couldn't lose to. Whoa, I think, whoa, hold on, hold on. I actually think this is good news. The I'm, Jets won four games last year. <laughs> I, mean, I guess the question is, what's the alternative? Would you rather them have lost to Jacksonville and Houston and then won other games? Because the given is they won what they won. Four. Uh, th- that's fair. But what I'm saying is they're f- the four, I mean, in in any games other than the game, like those are the two games that you everybody had to win. Like if you well, lost Jacksonville's total was seven and a half coming in the year. And every one of us bet under, right? Well, that's fine. So we thought it was seven. We didn't think it was four, mm-hmm. right? Or I mean, that's the thing is if we did, we would have six and a half and six. Yeah. No, what do you mean six and a half? We betted at seven and a half, didn't we, Fez? Yeah, well, we, played, we, played, we, we played two bets. We played under six and a half, and we played the alternative total under seven and a half late in minus 190. Yeah. And then yeah. it closed at six. So we okay. got, we yeah, because I, I was batting it. But the, there you go. the thing that scares me is if Zach Wilson's no good, none of this stuff that they did on in the draft matters, right? No. Well, I guess it's a spectrum, right? If because the whole, Jags had a great offseason, too, by all accounts. But if Trevor Lawrence stinks, the, the Jags well, still stink. Let's, let's, let's get this straight now. In my opinion, the quarterback's impact is, I don't know, seven times as much as a, a position player. I mean, a good quarterback's like a seven-point adjustment. A good position player is a one-point adjustment. And that's a good position player. It's a one-point adjustment. So uh, it, now let's say that Wilson – like the total now is what exactly? Five and a half. All right. So now the question is, what does that assume from Wilson? And I would say that assumes that he is the 25th best quarterback. He's not the worst, but he's not even in the 20 or in the teens. He's about the 25th best quarterback. And if the rest of the Jets play normally, they're probably going to reach that win total, meaning within a half game one way or the other. Now, if you say, is he the 30th best instead of the uh, the 25th, AJ, it's going to be hard for the rest of the team to catch up, but they could. If everyone else really exceeds and he's maybe at 30, Wilson, maybe they have a chance. If he's at 20, now the rest of the team can underperform a little. So I agree Wilson's the most important factor, but I think if he's close to his expectation, they could compensate other ways. He just has more impact. I mean, do you I'm not sure how you can disagree with that. But, I generally agree with that. All right. So in what way don't my, you agree? Because I, if what if I think he's the 30th best quarterback? Th- then you're thinking that you 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 want to fade. Now do you agree what do you think the assumption of this over under is about Wilson? The assumption is he's not going to be as bad as last year, right? I th- yeah, of course. And I think he showed signs last season of, of improvement. What? Of okay. looking like a quarterback that can play in this league. Ooh. See, I, I, His QBR was worse than Sam Darnold's somehow. No, 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 no. I mean, listen, there's no he doubt. He missed time, and he had a couple of horrific games, yes. But there were moments. And what do you expect from a rookie, a guy, you know, play? Like, when did this idea of rookies well. coming in and performing – Come from it came from Andrew Luck. It came from RG three. Right? That that's it came from Cam Newton. Like that's it. There used to be a time where rookies were expected to struggle, where rookies weren't even expected to play at all. Yeah, so but, like, but all guy the, to throwing the him into a fire is... and watching him do poorly, I was okay with it. It's not like I looked at it last year and I was like, God, oh, this guy's a bust. It, it, Davis Mills was better than than him last year. Like that. So that's a, a late round rookie was mm-hmm. better than the second pick in the draft. That's a, that's a problem. Well, first off, it's time to give credit to David, David, Davis Mills. 
It is. Okay. And it's also time to give credit to the Houston organization for t- and the whole lottery ticket concept that you were unfamiliar with that now looks pretty smart, doesn't sure. it? Because now they have, a, what, a 50-50 chance maybe of having a quarterback. I think they were probably 5-1 to one entering last year. They're probably at 50-50 right now. I'd go sub-50-50. I, I bet you would. I, I admit, you'd be I admit wrong that again. you're – okay. I mean, it's like you've, you're so pessimistic against teams that you have negative feelings about that, like, I just want to bet against that. Davis nonstop. Mills had two good games last year, and everybody's jerking him off. It's crazy. Well, uh, how— They met expectations. They won four. That's what they're supposed to win. Let me ask you, <laughs> let me ask you this. Is Well, yeah, but that was supposed to be a Tyrod Taylor quarterback. Mm. I mean, who is supposed to be a middle of the road? Get you. That's six or a seven great wins. point because if you told me Davis Mills, yeah. was, then, then we would have not seen the four for the season win. What do you? Th- uh, AJ's bringing up a good point. Is the Jets was all this talk, but isn't Wilson the driver? If Wilson's as bad as last year, this is a bad. Like, it, it, let me ask you this, Scott. Mm-hmm. If God came down and said Wilson will play at the level he played last year, would you still want this bet? Yeah, because I think they're a six-win team at the worst. At the way he played last year? Yes. Okay, now that— now, let, me, let me tell you something. What did you think of him when he threw for almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, and beat the Tennessee Titans? I don't look at counting stats like I'm just that. Like, what did but you think I, of I didn't, didn't even consider it. I, look, think- I looked at the efficiency is what I do. Okay. And I would say in general— mm-hmm. Wilson was the worst quarterback in the league last year. And he was like the one. Justin Fields is in the conversation. I disagree with that 150%. It's almost like we didn't have this argument. If you look at the second half of Chicago's time with Fields and looked at the big throw rate, he was like the fifth yep. highest big throws in football. So Fields is reason for optimism, in my opinion. I didn't see any of that with Wilson. But there's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. here. If Wilson is as bad as he was and you still like it, then that becomes a monster bet if people agree with you because there's a real chance Wilson's supposed to improve. Yes. Right. Even if he doesn't improve, his stats will improve because he's got better weapons now. So so those will go up marginally. Yeah, but that boy, you bring up a good point. If we're talking about his performance, we almost got to abstract. It's almost like the PFF grade is what we got to look exactly at. Exactly right? right. I mean, look, it doesn't I, involve the wide receiver. They had one running him. back, Michael Carter, and he was hurt a lot in the second half of the year. Right. I mean, they had their whole team was hurt. They had, and even Zach Wilson only played thirteen games last year. Well. I think it was better when he didn't play. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, so he, he was a guy that dealt with injuries and and because he's small. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, he's built like Macaulay Culkin. He's going to get hurt sometimes. That's pretty, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. That was I don't know where it came from, but it worked. It worked. I mean, Fez, where'd you put Wilson on your ranking? Oh, he's like 30th. He's he's right at. The, I think I got Mills at the low at the lowest. I'm well, sorry, that's a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I got someone's got. Listen, I can't put Sam Darnold last. Houston and AJ, take it with a grain of salt. Mm. All right. So listen, that is a strong. Now, but if you had to bet, you'd bet Wills. If I gave an over under mm-hmm. on Wilson's stats, and let's say we use QBR and only QBR, which is a, a very respected stat. Yeah. And I said, I, I'm not saying this, mm-hmm. but I'd say I'd be willing to book you. Yes, he will improve his QBR if you want to bet even money. Would you bet it? I, I would put my whole bankroll on it. Right, so QBR you, last year was was pathetic. So you love the idea yeah. Wilson's going to do better. Yes. But you think even if Wilson does the same, you still like this bet. I still think they can eke out six well, wins. Well, they can, but yeah. do you think they'd be better than 50% to do it? Yes. Well, then you love the bet, which I, I'm not I saying is wrong. That's my favorite bet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, what <laughs> you asked me for my best bet. I gave you the best one. No, no, no. no. Yeah. But, but, but within the best bet of 32, you know, I guess 64 possible, you know, over or unders, sometimes you're going to love a again, bet. Sometimes again, you're gonna... again, I'm not asking this team to be a playoff team. Yeah. Asking them to win six games. 
you could you could fall into six wins in the NFL. What do we say? The Texans won four games last year. You could fall into six wins. And the, did the Jets have moments last year where they exceeded expectations? The, the, the win against the Titans? Absolutely. Yeah. Other games where they were competitive and lost? You know, that Bengals game, right? The, the win there? I mean, come on. This is a, the team went to the Super Bowl. The Jets beat up on them. So no, they, I mean, listen, every team in the NFL is going to have. Of I mean, course. You could say Jacksonville beat Indianapolis, right? Yes. So, I mean, there's moments. That's a great example. Well, it's a great example. And a must win spot. Since they haven't lost to him. Oh, that, that sent Carson Wentz out of town. So, it did. So, one thing I want to be clear about because, I mean, you're new, is when I'm asking these questions, mm -hmm. it's not that I'm. Listen, if I disagree, I'm going to tell you. I'm well, asking the other side. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'll yeah. bet you. Yeah. But what I'm saying, I mean, I, no fears there. What I'm saying, though, is if I'm saying, do you think he's going to do this? It's I'm trying to frame exactly mm -hmm. how much you like it, and I think you really love this. I really love it. I think the Jets got Do you like the under, AJ? No, I don't like the under, I, I mean, I, but I don't. I, I certainly don't like the over. So you're a skeptic of Wilson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fez, what's your what, force bet here? What would you do? Over. Over is a tremendous bet. And you, here, oh, you like this? I oh, like it. I remember. It. You did say that. Guy. I like it a lot. And here's why. This is one that's like, what, what's that commercial where they say? It's the no-brainer of all no-brainers. You know, take Barkley for your first pick. Um, the Barkley? It's, yeah, they're, they're, they're choosing with sides with children on the on the, on the the playground, and Barkley's playing with a bunch of kids. And the cap, the captain, she's like, I want Barkley. Chuck Barkley? Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> is it today or 92? It's today, but he's playing against eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Are they good? Eight no. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go. I, the public has not bet any season wins. The public has not gotten involved with anything. The The narrative is the Jets did really, really good. They won the draft. People are talking playoffs. All right, that's silly. But the bottom line is the number is five and a half. It cannot stay at five and a half because it's going to be one-sided action across the board. I would be willing to make a massive bet that the Jets close at least at six at season wins. So you're saying a whole half. Now, what's the the VIG right now in the over is what? 130. All right. So that's getting you 20 cents over 50. So it's 40% towards six right now. Yes. Right, and you're saying you would bet it's going to move effectively 30 more cents. To yeah. the over. Yes, I that's will. A big, that's a big statement. I will say you you will not be able to get the Jets over five and a half, even if you lay minus one fifty. Okay. That that number will not be there come September. All right. Now here's the question. That is the definition of closing line value. What you're saying, but if we believe the market is moving incorrectly, let's assume that it's moving because of the talk of the draft, and we just debunked all that. Do we still say? But yeah, we got to take the closing line value. Closing line value is meaningless if it's being driven by something that doesn't predict that's not predictive of the future. I agree with everything you said, but so we scalp it. We can always right, scalp it. We always have, make you, money. You, you got to have twenty cents to scale. You're saying it's going to move more than twenty. We're going to, yeah. So we, we could play under five and a half and just take plus 150 on the under. Or, you know what, we can play under six. That's what I was saying, RJ. My concern was because all this money pushing in on the Jets. And but take, it hasn't done that yet. Well, 20 cents pre-draft, it's moved. It will right after this podcast hits also. Yeah, well, so yeah he did make a convincing case. Um, but that's what, that's what scares me is that it's all being driven by the Jets won the draft. And... It, we just spent 20 minutes talking about how you don't win the draft the day after draft day. A bold prediction. It goes to six this week. Uh, I saw some serious analysis of the draft. Jets draft that said that if you remove that most of the draft grades 
are building in the resources, the equity, that it's almost tantamount to the same thing. Those teams that had a lot of picks get good grades. Teams like the Rams that have a lot, not a lot of picks get bad grades. Yes. And it's absurd. It's like that we knew coming in, how many picks you had. Why, why not just give the, be the bad grade to the Rams? Give them a D minus. They yeah. only have four picks. And yeah, they, yeah, it seems like it should be equity, one grade or one score, and then the other score being Actual selection well given what you had. And even though I would think that's absurd, at least it wouldn't be blended in with everything yeah. like this. So... I'm going to segue to another topic as we wait for Fez's and McKenzie's giving a pick, then I'm giving a pick, is I find the offensive-defensive splits, and put, put my file up there, McKenzie, is fascinating because look at this. How much resources, how many resources did a team put into their offense? And we stack rank this by the value chart, right, the draft value chart. And the top 11, the top 11 when it came to uh, offensive equity spent. So spending money on offensive players, the top 11, 10 of them have quarterback questions. All right, so almost every team that needs a quarterback solidified said we're putting a lot into the offense because this guy needs help. Mm. So now here's the top 11 teams, all right, Giants, Jets, Tennessee's the exception, Seattle, Houston, New England, still a second-year quarterback, Atlanta, Saints, Steelers, Washington, Carolina. Those are 11 teams. 10 of them need a quarterback solidification. Mm -hmm. And the exception being Tennessee, and Tennessee's replacing A.J. Brown. So effectively, they're saying we're spending that 18th pick on them. It put them near the top, but it wasn't a statement on Tannehill. Now, that only leaves, I assume 16 teams need a quarterback. I just named 10 of them. Here's the other six, and let's say why weren't they in the top half. Detroit, but Detroit, they are. They got some six-year plan. They're, they're, they're still happy with Goff. They're still doing their bridge thing with Goff. They're doing the bridge thing, and you know what? It's fine because if you actually look, they spent more on defense than offense, and it's part of the plan. It doesn't feel like a real, like, abdicational responsibility to me, all right? San Francisco didn't spend a lot on offense. They don't have a lot left. <laughs> they spent all of it for their quarterback, or I'm sorry, to get their quarterback. Now he's going to have to do something. Okay, so we can say that's a mistake. By the way, they spent more on offense than they did on defense. So with their limited amount of resources, the 49ers put more on offense. It just wasn't a lot raw count-wise. Mm. Okay, so I excuse that. And then there's one other or two other excuses, and then we got two problems. The other excuse are the Eagles because they got A.J. Brown. So effectively, that's like offense. They gave up picks for that, so they didn't have picks to Big spend. Big offense. All right? And then you've got Miami, who did the same thing, right? Two is a question mark, but they got Tyreek, so they didn't have the resources. Yes. But there's two teams that are supposedly acting for now that have questionable quarterbacks that didn't do it, and one is Chicago Bears. They were ranked 20th in expenditure on offense, but they don't have a quarterback, though he looked good at different points. He needs help, and the Bears are saying, nah. It strikes me, and the Bears spent more on D. They were 20th ranked on offense in expenditure, 13th on D. So how can you have a guy you believe in, Justin Fields, that showed some signs and not really try to bolster his 
prospects. They're, they're wide receiver, and they did draft Velas Jones, who's mostly a special, like a return we guy. We don't even get into those things, though. Like, offense, defense, we can relate to, but go ahead. Well, I'm saying they did draft a receiver technically, mm-hmm. but he's not, he didn't play much receiver in college. So you're saying even someone that's kind of pointing offense isn't really a classic receiver. And their, their offensive depth chart right now, wide receiver, Byron Pringle, Darnell Mooney, Equiminius St. Brown. That's their starting wide receivers going into the season. Are they good? I don't think they're, good. they're all decent fours. I think they're start. I think they're starting the USFL this weekend. <laughs> so to me, I think this is a situation where you got a new regime in. We played Pringle under one and a half. That's that true. remember he caught the pass in the first, first play of the one, game. Didn't it was his hometown. Not seen again. So if you look at it, you got a former defensive coordinator, Eberflus, and. It doesn't feel like they like Justin Fields that much. Mm-hmm. I think under Bears is interesting. I, I I was talking to McKenzie. I strongly considered under Bears. You just have to lay some juice. I don't care. You're, you're I mean, ballsier to me, than I but, am. No, I mean, but to me, juice is just saying I don't have to lay the extra half game. You know, I don't have to go a half game down. I think you should make this a best bet. I fully endorse it. The under seven on the Bears minus 145. That is a number that will not be there next month. I think this is an example, and I like the feedback, Fez. I think this is an example of the si- the actions of the teams tell you something about their future actions. This is a rebuild from the bolts up, and and I think that that means Justin Fields is a, is sacrificed. Hmm. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, not not that he's going to die. Cole Clement's not going to go crazy this year, huh? Okay. <laughs> one one other team. What is this puck you speak of? One other team. <laughs> <laughs> one other team. Jacksonville. Oh. Jacksonville is ranked first on defensive spending. 28th on offensive spending. Poor Trevor Lawrence. What the hell is going on? Scott, does that make any sense to you? That Jackson, you got a guy who's going to lose his confidence at some point. Well, I guess maybe they figure, you know, Travis Etienne coming back from injury, it's basically like getting a first-round draft pick at running back because he didn't play at all last year. Except so. that was a crate. I mean, that was a pick that was such a reach because uh-huh. it was supposedly Urban had a vision for him being a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Who fucking knows, right? Well, guy was a talented kid at Clemson. We'll see what he can do in the NFL. Uh, and obviously the familiarity playing with his quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I, I look at that as basically like spending a first, you know, you have a first-round pick on, on a oh, running yeah, back. You had the 32nd pick too, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. The, or was that? Now you get a first-round pick that's got coming off of an injury. So yeah. You got medical. I mean, I, I, listen, he's making a point that mitigates yeah. it a little bit. But yeah. it's yeah. still, when, it's you're point. The, when you're the number one spender mm-hmm. on defense and you've got the number one pick from the year before that had a disastrous year. Well, don't you know how afraid they are of that Texans offense in the division? that they needed to spend on defense. What do you think of this, AJ? Yeah, I, I like the. I, I don't understand the Jags getting significantly better without improving their offense, and they've done really nothing to improve it. This has to be this. But cr- you could argue the head coach. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Getting rid of Urban Meyer may may improve the offense. And you have Except a Urban Meyer was considered a guy. Co- I mean, Urban Meyer's. There was a reason the total was let's call it seven. Even there was belief in Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. Now we're acting like we all knew Urban Meyer was going to be horrible. We didn't. And we got to all act like Trevor Lawrence's last year was normal. It wasn't. Urban Meyer didn't finish the year. Jacksonville did not get any better. Yeah, that's a good point. The Jacksonville, I mean, except for that last win, which, again, they haven't lost to Indianapolis at home since 2014. That I think is it, just unbelievable. It is unbelievable. What it would pay with the parlay. we got to recalculate that again. Yeah, one of them was in – one of the home games, quote-unquote, was in London. So that can be a little <laughs> screwy. But um, – 
So I, I listen. I like Peterson. I like their focus on analytics. I'm not anxious to bet them. But, but you I, got a gunslinger that's coaching a team that's all defense. Well, but he, maybe that's him being smart enough to know what it takes. I mean, I, I'm not saying have to punt. Here's the thing: if Trevor Lawrence can make it through this year without losing confidence or getting hurt. This might be a smart team building move for the long term. He's not going to get hurt because he doesn't run because he's such a wussy quarterback. Well, I don't know about what. Listen to you. You take one of those hits. <laughs> you ever stand next to a DN in the NFL? You think about that guy tackling you. Ooh. Yeah. Well, look I, at, AJ look at, scares me. Look at the moves that they did make, though. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. Overpaid out to Wazoo. I was saying Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. Right, say what you will about the old your running back. Is he a coach or is he a running back? The Giants, former Giants tight end. Say what you will about that. Oh wait, okay? we're not. Ta- I now, thought we were talking about the running back from New Orleans. It, and now, <laughs> and now, you know, and ETN, he's always hurt. And Ingram's ETN always coming hurt. back from from injury to go along with Robinson. So you got Arizona's third receiver. So, you paid saying, eighteen million it, a year for. Would you rather have Christian Kirk or a rookie wide receiver here? Well, he's better would, than Isabella, would, would but he's a number three. Would you rather have Evan Ingram or a rookie tight end here? Would you rather no, have that. Travis Etienne or right, one right. of these rookies that was in the draft here? They feel that they have the pieces or they added the pieces. Well, every team thinks they're doing right. Yeah. Let's assume that, right? So, I mean, now the question is, are they? But you are, let's say this. I'm going to back away a little bit. When you add in the, the free agency signing, even though it was expensive, where they should have, it seems like the market was more towards 13 and they were paying 18. Right? I mean, it was Arizona's third receiver, right? But they did get a receiver in. Overpaid, yeah. And you bring in ATN from last year. Now I'm starting to say, you know something? And a pass catching tight end. That evens things out a little bit. I'm going to say that that's important. I mean, because it was easy for me to say, well, Tennessee's this because of A.J. Brown. But in a way, you're making an interesting point. And and I don't think a Kirk – is it Kirk or Kirks? Kirk. I don't think a Kirk, like, as an elite guy, but I still think he's more than nothing. Today you got Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, LaVisca Chenault. These are guys they had last year, except for Kirk, right? Well, not Zay Jones. Chenault they had, yeah. So, all right, let's say this. Zay Jones is like the Raiders' number five, though, right? I think it does really zero in on Chicago and how absurd it is with Fields. Who It it feels like this. Trevor Lawrence is probably good enough that no matter what they do within reason, he'll get through this year and be a fine quarterback. I don't think he'll be more than top 12 ever, but I think he could be the 14th or 15th best quarterback at some point. I do. But Fields could be out of the league. Like There's a chance that Fields could be a pretty decent quarterback or he could be out of the league, and I think the way he's handled dictates that. Agreed. And you, you know what? I want to look at – is there – I'm sure this isn't up yet – a prop on which NFL teams can be the lowest scoring of all the teams? Mm, not yet, but yeah. You, you know, because – Boy, I sure think they're going to play a lot of low-scoring games that they lose 23-13. to 13. You know a bet I like that I'm going to tease right now? And I may make this my best bet. I may not. But I'll tell before the end of the show. Is I like – uh, Mariota, Mariota, as I call him, under passing yards. They picked a wide receiver, so it's going to feel like, oh, look, they're going to be fine. The O-line is atrocious. 
Mariota is a statue. I and, think and he's 50, fragile. I think there's a 50 percent chance he's knocked out th- uh, this year. Heck, when he was playing three games for the Raiders, he was always banged up. And if if they give him a normal over under for yards, I'm going under like it's like it's uh, Christmas Day. What mm-hmm. do you think? Yeah, I like that. It's what's going to be like 3,300. I don't, I don't think the injury is going to be built in. The, the, the injury chance. 3,500. What do you think, Scott? Desmond Ritter. What do you think the over under of Trubisky games? This might be an Eli Manning situation. Another very Smart bet from you. Where he's not going to play the whole season. So if you're well, betting on the games over under Mario the games. Yeah, that's an interesting point. If you add oh. in the chance of replacement, you add in the injury. It's, but, I don't think the market will account for that. And it, it, I mean, I, th- I think there's a good possibility there's like an actual quarterback battle in camp for that team. There should be. Well, should when, did, be. when did he get picked? Third round, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, third rounders don't come in usually and and, and win jobs. Yeah, but Marcus Mariota is not typically like the best quarterback on your roster. They're, if it were Matt Ryan, I'd say yes. They're, he's paying not, him, he's, they're paying him too much money though, right? What are they paying? They're paying him what, like 15 probably? I haven't even seen the number. I thought it's like 12. Yeah, I see that number. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go with Fez's best, second best bat. We're going to go with McKenzie. Then I'm going to finalize mine. And then we're going to talk a little NBA. Go, Fez. Dallas Cowboys under 10 and a half wins. So this is kind of a derivative bet, if you will. Two teams that, by all accounts, won the draft, the Giants and the Eagles. People very excited about it. And in fact, in the betting markets, the Eagles now have moved up from eight and a half. And I'm seeing some nines on their season win number, and the Giants, who were free-falling down from seven, are back up to seven. Well, I already like the Cowboys under. There's a lot of reasons RJ's spoken about, you know, losing Cooper, um, Zeke getting older, these bad contracts with Dak, with Zeke, etc., to play the Cowboys under already. But what was always the fear? Oh, the division is god-awful. So they're going to go 5-1 and one in division, and we're going to lose because of that. Well, now the division's just below average. It's not god-awful at all. The Eagles are slightly above average team. Washington's a below average team. The Giants are below average team, but there's no cupcakes and patsies anymore for the Cowboys to beat up on. I tell you what, if the Cowboys are only going to go three and three or four and two in division, call three, two, and one, that ten and a half looks to be completely unrealistic. Dallas Cowboys under ten and a half. I love it. Uh, and and before the draft. And months ago, you know, when you're talking about the futures market, people are like, oh, who's your long shot to win the Super Bowl? And I said, well, so the first place I'm looking is the NFC East. So why am I looking at the NFC East? Well, different teams won that division every single year going back to 2004, right, when the Eagles had their run. So right away I'm picking a team out of the NFC East, and so it's going to not be the Dallas Cowboys. And then you start thinking about, oh, well, the Eagles were a playoff team last year. And the Giants have some potential, maybe even the Commanders or whatnot. But – a lot of the handicapping that went into maybe taking a long shot on the Eagles or the Giants to win the Super Bowl, not because I think they're going to win the Super Bowl or the number was that great. Division's weak. The division is weak, and it's a downgrade of the Dallas Cowboys that's built into that reasoning of liking one of those two teams. So I'm right there with you. I, so, I agree. Dallas so instead Cowboys of the division under. being a joke, now the division, uh, sans, the Dallas, it's just a little bit below average. And so Dallas doesn't get the cupcakes that we thought they might get. And is Dallas, or is, is Dallas a team? If you want to bet the over, you're you're taxed because they're a public team. I think there is something to that. the the The, the knee jerk was okay, Cowboys. Let's make um, you know, ten or eleven. We'll make it ten and a half. And I think that there is a tax to that where they should have opened at ten. But um, the the feeling is, oh, they've been you know they they've had some playoff um, teams. Let's go ahead and. Rounded up to ten and a half. How much credence do you give the on-off 
with um, without Cooper because the numbers look really stark without Cooper. He's gone. Feels like that's the best predictor of what's going to happen without him is what's been the history of Dak without him. Not good. I think that that's strong. Yeah, that that, that Cooper's been his go-to guy, and you know they made the business decision to pay everybody and let Cooper go. I, I got to tell you those fat contracts and that Zeke. My goodness, how come RJ? How come I can call Zeke like fat or you know portly <laughs> or slow, but I can't I can't label any WNBA player that way. When did you try to do that? Well, there was there was <laughs> I never did that. I think the right phrase is rotund. By the way, well, all, all, all I know is that the, the, healthy. One NBA coach, the coach of Connecticut, was yelling because he thought his player was getting fouled, and he yelled out, "She weighs three hundred pounds," and that he got suspended for ten days. Probably. Really? Yeah. If he would have said 280, he would have been saying <laughs> Yeah, he days. said Liz, Liz, Camp, Liz Cambage, who is a large athlete, uh, he said that about her, and it was not pretty. Hey, was no. it accurate? Oh, yeah. Is she, does she really weigh 300? I'm gonna guess 250. Let's see. Liz oh, she's on the wrong. She, she's on the wrong side of 280. That's don't ju- sure. don't don't fat shame. According to her profile, she weighs 220 pounds. She's 6'8". She looks like she weighs more than that. She's 6'8", 220. She'd be I like weigh a... 220. So, Mackenzie, here's She the... would kill me. Here's the question. <laughs> well, that's a whole different conversation. It'd be like the praying man is. is Mackenzie, how does she fit into your shapeliness quotient? Oh, uh, too much muscle. Too strong. Too strong. you got to be able to win in an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> With a girl who's 280? <laughs> what about you, AJ? Uh, <laughs> he's squinting like the old guy squinting trying to look at her. No, she's not for me. Really? No. I mean, she's standing next to Shaq. She, she could take Shaq. And, and listen, RJ, I, I like a nice, healthy, thick woman. I don't want a woman who's bigger than me. You know, when I was next to The Rock, it was just about the same as Shaq next to her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, the Rock made me look kind of, you know, svelte. It was good. <laughs> so, Scott, where do you fall on this? You're single, right? Yes. Where do you fall on the spectrum of shapeliness? Uh, I don't mind it, but again, can't be bigger than me. I'm a big guy as it is myself. Yeah. So. What, are what are you, like, you're what, 5'5"? Five, five? I'm 5'9", thank you very much. <laughs> poor, poor Brad Powers was 4'10 when he worked here. <laughs> and, but, I mean, wow. I don't, when I think of you, I think of barrel-chested. I don't think of belly. I'm 5'9". I'm do you nine, lift? I'm, yeah, I'm five, yes, I do. I'm 5'9", right. 235 conservatively right now. Okay, but you let's, honestly, yeah. I would not think he needs to lose weight. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm that. sure everyone is more critical of themselves, but, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just saying, I wouldn't think. Would you, AJ? No, he's. I, I think the same thing about you, to be honest. Oh, I need to lose some weight. I, I hear you. I'm saying it doesn't jump to mind to me. Well, I thank you. Yeah. All I know is if Scott's coming at me, I'm making it as a linebacker. I'm business, but somehow you business ready. decision. I'm going out of bounds, Somehow you man. were ready for Bernie Fratto. Oh. <laughs> I, I rethought that. When, you know Bernie? I don't. I, I Professionally, not personally. Yeah, but you yeah. know him. Yeah. You know, he was fight, He was a boxer, like, you know, amateur in the gym when mm-hmm. he was like 62, like a couple years ago, <laughs> right? And, and Fez goes, you think he's that tough? He goes, I think I could take him. Now, here's the thing about Fez. If you had to guess his bench, what would you guess? I think he'll his put max. up. I think he's putting up the bar and. Two, two, two 45s? No. Are you kidding me? Less? 
You, the bar and two forty fives? Yeah, that'd be one thirty five, right? No, one thirty five is just the bar, the bar, no, the bar and, no. and a forty five on each side. Exactly, well, that's two forty five. Oh, okay. I thought, I, when you say when you say it like that, I'm thinking oh, two, two on each two forty five plates. No, one on each oh, side. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, you can do that. Absolutely, you should be able to. But what would you guess if you had to give him a number? Max. Yeah. One fifty five. All right. So I would have been a little higher than you, uh-huh. but Fez had it where he was like, I can bench uh, over two bills. And it's like, what? So Brad Powers starts betting him. Everyone's betting against him. How much was that? I mean, there was like multiple bets, right? Brad put up a nickel. Yeah, right? it was like 950. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't bet anything. Yeah. Because here's a rule. Take this with you of hustlers. If someone knows the answer to a question. Yes. If someone says, I've got a nine inch blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> you know what? He probably knows. Yeah. If he's willing to bet that's you. A great, that's a great point. Don't, don't bet. Yeah. Someone knows the answer. That's why they're betting it. They wouldn't just. Yeah. This dude puts it up like seven times. Yeah. 200. He did. I paused a second and a half. There's no bouncing. No bullshit. So I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. But then we saw a picture of him when he was in his late 20s. He looked like he could have played like a arena ball. I mean, like he was a little bit jacked. He's putting up 315 with these. What was your max, you said? Like 260. Yeah. What do you think of that, AJ? It's impressive. I told like Fez surprises you. What was your NFL draft? What was your 225? How many reps? Oh, I I could do it like six was like my When you, at your peak. Yeah. I did a bet with... uh, Rodney Harrison. Uh, so his question know, was, was just to be able see, to tell this story about drum. it. And, and I lost. To see, this is where you say the person knows the information. I bet on myself. You said 15? No, I said I could do 20. Oh, and you did 17. I did 17, and I lost. So, but listen, here's the thing. And I, but I bet RJ, on myself. RJ, I got the exact number. I bet on this, myself. He's like Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley bet on himself in golf in a tournament, and he lost. But golf isn't something you know for sure. It's a range. Yeah, yeah should know. Well, Barkley's absolutely atrocious at golf. And you know what he did? He went and bet his long shot number instead of an over under. He got a bunch of intensity. He got a lot of. What did he bet? A thousand bucks on it, and he got a bunch of publicity. No, it was on. like. It was like 30000 Oh, something. yeah. yeah. Barkley's admitted to losing millions and millions of dollars gambling. All right, so. all right. We got to settle down, everyone right, going, definitely going in with their thoughts. Let's settle down 17 for a still a fine Settle number. down for a second. Yeah. Settle it down. All right, let's agree with one thing. He got excited, Scott, because he was talking to an NFL guy, and he got a little uh, chesty, no pun intended. <laughs> I, I also, like, I overestimate myself a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll admit that. All right, so in general, kids – and we always try to teach the children, if someone knows the answer, and the famous story I give is Titanic Thompson, who was one of the greatest hustlers ever, would go and get a yard, a, a mile marker driving into town. You know how it says 10 yeah. miles to uh-huh. town. He will go in the middle of the night, he would, dig it up, move it five miles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Knowing that they were going that way the next day or the next week. And on the way back, he goes... 20 miles a ton, that ain't right. I bet it's no more than 15. And the people in the car are like, you think the sign's wrong? He goes, I'll bet you. Boom, he wins that oh, bet. In general, if they know it, that's don't amazing. bet him on it unless it's Scott trying to impress an NFL player. <laughs> Wait, then you amazing. can fade him. Then- <laughs> is that a real story? Yeah, yeah it moving, is. Moving the mile There's a whole book about it. Yeah, that's I mean, ta- fantastic. Yeah, Titanic Thompson was fake. And the, the funny thing is I've read two books on him. He would spe- He knew how to spin cards. We could throw cards. Like if you were in a hotel room, he could be in the other room, flip the card. It would go beneath the door and up and hit a bowl he had set up. Mm-hmm. 
He'd spend all day just sitting there doing it till he got someone to bat him on it. He hired a semi-pro golfer to pretend to be a farmer. He played a golf course like two or three times with somebody. Yeah. And then the third time they played, this farmer was always out there. He's like, I can probably take you with that guy. This yeah, is, this white is like white man can't jump. jump. Yeah, exactly. This is awesome. Give him the chump. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. And, it, and I read two books on him. At the end of the second book, it said, and by the way, he was functionally illiterate. They didn't say it in either of the books till the end. Hmm. Like he did all this stuff and couldn't read or write. So it goes to show you education and intelligence are two different Street things. Street smart. Yeah. But you usually think you wouldn't sign an X to your name yeah. if you're doing shit like that. All right, Mackenzie. So your pick is? Dallas Cowboys under 10 and a half wins. I agree. I agree. I, I think that Dak's a big question mark. I think Zeke's another year older. That's a problem. I think without Cooper is a question. I think the D maybe overperformed a little last year. The coach year. is no good. Yeah, I like it. I like it. McKenzie. I like the Chiefs over 10 and a half wins. Very simple handicap here. It was 12 wins last year. Everything is this season, this offseason, is about the big loss. Just a button. Go ahead, bud. Oh, I was distracted by Fez picking up the oh green. So, so let me let me show. It's like this, Fez. <laughs> All right, you're fading them. So the Chargers, I mean, I'm sorry, the Chiefs lost on their season win total. They only won 12 games, and it was supposed to be 12 and a half. They, <laughs> by doing so, they fell into an 0 and 12 trend, which we talked about on this podcast, with a team with a win total above nine that only retained two or less of their offensive linemen. We have an adjusted metric with, you know, Pro Bowl ratings and et cetera. All right, so what McKenzie's saying is the fact that Kansas City went under the total last year really followed history when you have drastic changes on the O-line. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Drastic changes on the O-line and expected to win a lot of games. Those teams, 0-12 since 2016. All right, so they traded for Orlando Brown last year, one of their tackles. They signed Joe Thune. But this year they have both of those players, but they have a one year in the system with Reed. To contrast that, they got their five guys back one of three teams with five offensive linemen retained, and they, they lost their sexy player. They lost Hill. I think the one-and-a-half game but was adjustment— was Hill sexy or was Hill underrated? I would make the case that Hill, Tyreek Hill, has been the— and I'll say has been because is he aging? I don't know. But he's been the most impactful receiver, receiver in the NFL for multiple years. Agreed. It, it, but is it hard to say if he's underrated or overrated until we see him without Patrick Mahomes? It doesn't matter because he's uniquely qualified to succeed with Patrick Mahomes. So it's not so much how good is Tyreek Hill. It's how good is Tyreek Hill with the Patrick Mahomes that, that runs around like a crazy that's man. That's my question. And chucks the ball 70 yards against his body. So is Tyreek Hill in Miami? It doesn't matter how good he is in Miami. He's making the case this is about how much of an absence he is from Kansas okay. City, right? right? Which I think is now you can make the case how good Miami thought he was dictates how much they got back for him. But that haul they got back wasn't all this year, right? Some of a big chunk was this year, but then some of it's next year, right? So by definition, they're 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 deferring some of their value they had on the field now to the future. Right? Yes. And I would make a case as an aside. Tyreek's one of the best in the league, if not the best, at taking a short pass and going long with it, which I think will work with Tua. The fact he can also go long shows you he could do anything. I seem to remember him running past a bunch of bills yeah. in the fourth quarter when he I mean, took a short pass the to that. What I'm saying is, I think, listen, I feel like the Kansas City, one, you got to give him guts for making this decision. To, to break them up is gutsy. They offered Tyreek real money. Yeah. And he said it was like maybe 19 million. He said no. So the point is they wanted him. At, when it became not right price-wise, they said, 
you got to go. You know, good luck. We love you, but or we like you. You got to go. We didn't love what you did back in uh, college, but whatever. Okay. Now, here's the question is, does the team feel like Kansas City, why'd you screw this up? Or do they see the long-term vision? If you want to stay a contender, you got to sometimes take a half a step back. Every time Belichick let go of someone good, like Chandler Jones, it wasn't always he, he dropped off a cliff the next year. It was he just wasn't worth what he needed to get paid. Right? Yeah, and I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, that's it, it's complicated. I do know this. Wow, is that division loaded? Look how good the Chargers could be. Look how good Denver could be. So that's six games you're saying that are just iner- inherently tough. And they weren't tough before the Chargers have been underperforming, and Denver the, the, didn't the have Denver a quarterback. Denver beat them two games last year. I had them both. I couldn't cover one. Mm-hmm. The Chargers had a win total of nine and a half last year. They have a win total of ten this year. That's amazing. But, but, but hold on a but second. That sounds square as shit because the difference between nine and a half and ten is rarefied air. I mean, like, how many teams are 10 or more right now? Yeah, top seven teams in the league. Right. And then how many teams are at nine and a half? Five? Yeah, between 10 and nine and a half are one, two, three, four, five, six teams. How many yeah. divisions have their last place projected team winning eight and a half games? Yeah, so we all, yeah, the, we all agree this is the toughest division. Yeah, and uh, put a number on it, the AFC West average win total is 9.8. So, so here's a, the question. I'm not just saying I disagree with them because I'll tell you, Andy Reid before this year – this most recent year, the past year, is he had gone over every year with Kansas City. Sure. It was like nine in a row or something. So now you got a guy that's gone over nine in a row. He goes under. I'm, if I'm blind batting, I'm batting over. Yeah, but Andy Reid, I don't know if he can find his way to the stadium for, based upon what we've seen the last couple of years. Listen, I mean, let's he's be a little regressed. more sensitive about it. Fair because, enough. I mean, it was driven by, it would seem, his son's issues. Mm-hmm. You would say, you know, and we say issues might be not given it enough, you know, uh, import. You know, there was a drinking in, or under the influence, I think is my understanding. I'll say allegedly because I don't know all the details. And the, he's got real legal trouble, like, yes. life, you know, years in jail kind of thing, I think. So th- the fact that happened the week of the Super Bowl, it makes sense that they weren't adjusting great, it seemed like. I would make the case against Cincinnati they didn't adjust very well either. Sure. I mean, in general, that second half against Cincinnati, if he was Marty Schottenheimer – or someone that was known as not a good like playoff coach, he would have got run out of town. Yes. So that is a question. Andy Reid, how good is he right now, McKenzie? I think he's going to be better a year removed from that you know post Super Bowl incident. Except it was a year removed against Cincinnati last year, right? It's been two years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a fair question. I think Andy Reid's an elite coach. And I don't think I, – I didn't see anything last year. I mean, they were up 18 points in the championship game where I'm going to say, that's okay. The po- that's the point. If they can't hold that lead, what's going on? They're not even in the championship game unless uh, Buffalo – if Buffalo doesn't kick the ball out of the end zone. Correct. Yeah. But I mean, still, Buffalo was probably – you could make the case the fact they beat the best team in, in football probably is a sign of how good they are. Mm. Uh, here's my point. How much – what was last year's win total? What's this year's? Last year closed 12. All right, in, in, this year it's 10 and a half. So what? What's Tyreek worth? I mean, Fez, what is it? Thirty-three points is a is a win. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. So is, even if we make him a point and a half times seventeen, now we're in twenty-two. Two thirds. So we only come up with two thirds of a win. And it's dropping one and a half. I mean, it feels like Tyreek's. What other factors are really the down arrow 
for Kansas City. Andy Reid not coaching as well. And but he wasn't coaching as well last year either. Mahomes, Mahomes, possible Mahomes injury. If he goes down, you win well, on the under. But that's always the case. Yeah, but he's been shown to be more prone to injury, I no, think. Every less, year he gets win. banged up. He's been less injured since he was injured when his knee doubled back and he only missed four games. You can make yeah. the case that he only missed four games or three games there. He's not injury prone. Now you're just grasping it. McKenzie, you're you right. Have, you I, re- I, re- I would like to retract that last statement. I was, <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, but you can't retract the bet that no, you're right. taking such oh, joy. Oh, I still like the bet. You still like The it? division's so stagnant. You know, I, the one thing I see is when these teams beat the hell out of each other, it, it inevitably, you know, it's difficult. So then you're when saying you, that he, 11-6 and six is too much to ask out of Kansas City. Yes. You remember the Rams, who was in? They were in the toughest division in football last year. They won the Super Bowl, <laughs> and they went thirteen. But, 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 they beat but the they hell out of each other. They were the four seed. Though. I know, but him saying they beat the hell out of each other all year. To- we're talking about win total, well, though, right? How did Seattle and San Francisco do? San Francisco went under their win total by half game, even how'd though Se- they made the final four. How'd Seattle do? They went under very okay. much so. How did Arizona do? Arizona was lined at eight and a half, so it's not fair. <laughs> how funny would it have been? How funny would it have been if McKenzie would have said over San Fran? Mm. How <laughs> hey, let's take he a, would have never in a million years done that. Let's, let's take a little sojourn to um, San Francisco, Silicon Valley. Sojourn? Sojourn. That's a new one. Now, I don't think so, but now, could be right. Let me ask you could it be worse than the following? You you traded all pretty much an all win like we've never seen in the history of the NFL for an unproven quarterback. The first year he plays as little as any quarterback could that was picked third overall with Jimmy G as the quarterback. He only played when Jimmy G couldn't physically get on the field. Jimmy G was limping on the field with a broken hand and a broken shoulder, and still it was like better than Trey Lance. And now the one really glorious thing about the team. The one optimistic thing, Debo says, I don't want to be here. No matter what, get me out of here. It feels disaster time in San Francisco. How are you feeling, buddy? I'm, I like it. I'm trusting the process. I What's like, the I, process of pissing off your only good player? People make so much about the draft picks we lost doing Lance. We gained two third round picks from having good coaches go to other places and it's never brought up. But, in they, any but it has nothing to do with that trade of how bad that trade was. Yeah, fact, you still would have those third yeah, rounds. Yeah, the third rounds weren't contingent on that trade. But I mean, and it wasn't yeah. about having good coaches; it was about having minority coaches that, that were, were good enough to be hired. Yeah, yeah, but every every team's hiring X number of coaches, so it's like, all right, the fact that they—I'm not giving them discredit, but let's not act like it's some meritocracy. It was about—I'm saying it's emblematic of a of a well-run system that's uh, built that was built for the long system, term. Maybe a woke system built for the long term. You know, it's a five-year plan when. when we started in San Francisco, and it, how I thought we stopped. Going to be a seven-year plan soon. We, I thought you kiboshed we on that. I mean, yeah. We made the final four two out of the last three years, and people hey, listen, act like we're terrible. I, listen, I'm fine. I'm, I like my position. Until the 49ers are willing to uh, augment your check each month, I think we pregame team. Yeah, Dream probably, team. yeah. There we go. Um, yeah, but Mackenzie, you sound almost inhuman right now. Are you going to act like you're not troubled? But how could it have gone worse? Other than Cousin Kyle being struck by a stroke, what could be worse for the 49ers? If we didn't have a second-round pick and and Debo Samuel become a top-three receiver in the league, if we didn't have all these— But that isn't reality. What I'm saying is after they lost the—like when they were leading by 10 in the championship game, from then on it's been a disaster. 
Like, think of how you were feeling. You were thinking, am I going to go to the Super Bowl? What's going on? Right? Sure. <laughs> and then from there on, it's been just it's like. It's just kind of cruel. It's been like. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's that's what's so magical. You know, you you every year you, you live and die. And then in 98 and 99, you get, you know, a joy that lasts a lifetime. So I keep rooting. But sometimes you die and you stay dead for a long Cincinnati time. Cincinnati Bengals fans. <laughs> we have Bills fans. I mean, my question is, and I know you're avoiding it, so we'll try one more time. Okay. Is from that moment. Entering the fourth quarter of the championship game till now. Yeah. Other than deaths or various <laughs> incapacitations that could have happened to various loved ones of yours, hasn't it gone 49er style the worst it could have? Outside of getting a third round pick for Mike McDaniel, which happened after that game. Yeah. Happened, no, no, it's, no. it's been as bad news as you can imagine. Yeah, but sure. somehow you're not showing any of that truth to us. You're, you're acting like you don't care. Like why lie to so many people? I'm optimistic about the season. I'm, this I'm not, season? Yeah. Well, what's their win total? Ten. Why aren't you going over that? Seems about right. They won ten last year. How they bad? Have a development quarter, de- developmental quarterback that will be better at the end of the year than the, at the beginning of the year. Seems ten. Well, can McKenzie's square ball going over on all the teams with the high totals? But uh, actually, I? that's been shown to be fine. Um, but think about this. Kansas City's ten and a half. How the heck is San Francisco almost the same as Kansas City? That makes your under seem yeah, kind of questionable. It makes it precarious. All right. So, <laughs> so what we're going to do here is we're going to do our five. Uh, by the way, I don't like that. We got a crossfire bet on it, you two. 300. Mm-hmm. We got five minutes of baseball, right? Do, do you have any baseball questions this week? Yes. Uh-huh. I just bet the Mets and the Yankees both to go over 94. I think both teams are likely to win close to 100 games and cruise the division. I bet also the Mets to win the division minus 130. Do you like those bets? Do you endorse them? I endorse both of them. They're both going to win close to 100, maybe even over 100. Uh, Both look like the two best teams in baseball right now. The Mets pitching is only going to get better once the Grom comes back. So, and the rest of that division, uh, I, I, I bet the Phillies before the season, I thought they'd be, and they could still, be the team that I thought they were going to be, but it's clear that the Mets right now are head and shoulders above them and above anybody else in that division. So I do like the Mets to win that division, and I think you're going to get both win totals over on both those New York teams. Two more. Uh, Washington Nationals, I just played them under, I believe, 67 and a half. I think they're headed to losing I games. I am a big fade of the Nationals, uh, including a couple of their pitchers, Josiah Gray, Joanna Doan. These are guys that I bet against consistently. Um, their advanced numbers... Like, if you look at their sabermetric numbers on their pitching staffs, they are getting their barrel rate. They're, people are squaring up balls against them. So even though maybe they're not giving up the runs that you would think, they're due because they're getting hit hard. So uh, I fade these guys every time they pitch. One last one, Colorado Rockies. I played over a 72. I think they're a team that can win 75 games despite the really difficult division. Yeah, are they playing all of them at home? Uh, <laughs> they, yeah, Rockies are good. I mean, they, they, I, like we talked about them last time when, uh, when I think the C.J. Crone bet for be, to be the 40 to home one. run leader. Um, I like this lineup a lot. I do. Uh, it, the pitching is what I'm concerned about is because – they might lose a bunch of eight, six games, but I do think they're capable of scoring and beating anybody. All these numbers at William Hill, who has been posting on almost a daily basis, the MLB season win numbers as of today that you can bet on. So how are you thinking you kissing her butt now is going to help you? I'm just telling people where they can get these numbers, RJ. What I just noticed was you were put out the Fezzik top 10 sports books. I did. Why do that? I mean, why, I, it's one thing. And somehow you put the South Point number five. It shows how unbiased I am. They bar me. I still have them top ten. Except you bam out of them nonstop here. 
I just I don't badmouth anyone. <laughs> I just give facts, and people can make All their right. own determinations. I've got two questions. That <laughs> one. What's the story with the humidors? So. Uh, this Meaning, year, how should I be factoring that if I'm handicapping baseball totals? Uh, I think right now we're at a point where the adjustments are coming from the books, and it's too much. Yesterday, so you're saying if you had to blind bat the next three days, over or under, you would bat over? It depends on the number. Because well, yesterday we had three games that were listed at six and a half. Six and a half is usually a number reserved for two elite Cy Young caliber I think pitchers Koufax going against each versus other. Warren Spahn. And, and the National League and, has, has a designated hitter this year. And so the last, opposite should be happening. And by the way, all three of those games went over yesterday at six and a half. We had a number posted at six and a half between the Giants and the Dodgers for tonight's game. But Car- Carlos Rodon on the hill, I understand it. What happened? That number got bet up very quickly. And it wasn't at six and a half for long. So for you, the debate is it's either priced right or it's too low. The, going under, though, isn't the answer to have a bias towards under. Because the books have adjusted. We mm-hmm. are not seeing eight and a halfs anymore. We're not seeing nines. Well, Colorado, you're seeing ten and a half. But you're not. You're seeing seven and a halfs widely across the board now because the, they've the grand, adjusted to how much they're getting crushed on these unders early. The, the grand salami for a full slate of games got this total number of runs uh-huh. scored um, was at the average of that was seven point six. That's the lowest grand salami I've seen. All right. So here's in like twenty Fred. years. You had a theory. That somehow when the weather changes, if they continue with the hum- humidors, it's, which they should, it will be more over baseball. Do you, if that's the case, if the markets change as it has so significantly and there is a weather change that then will f- cause the assumptions of what caused the change to no longer be the case, there could be huge value on the over. Are you looking towards that? Potentially. And well, so that's no answer. Give me an answer. Well, well I got to give there's two factors All going right, on. Go I'm convinced that the ball that's being used is less lively. It's not the humidor. It's the actual mm-hmm. physical ball that it, it, it has more drag and more flight. More mush or whatever. Mushy is what people Now, there's a lot yes. of differing uh, opinions about why the ball change. And some, the latest that I heard was that it's not Major League Baseball doing it at all. It's that they, the manufacturers have cut costs so much that when Rawlings outsources the manufacturing uh, in some mm-hmm. Latin American country that is making these baseballs... Every ball, every batch is coming out different. And Major League pitchers are now talking about how each time they get a ball, it feels different. And they're arguing about, you know, like they're they're talking about too many hit pitches, right? Because they don't have a grip on the baseball. Chris Bassett made a big deal of this last week with the Mets when they were talking about all the hit pitches because they're saying that they don't have a feel of the ball. You think that would help the batters, though, if the pitchers would be inconsistent? Not necessarily when you're looking out for 90, 90 in your face. <laughs> At the head, yeah. You know, but I, I think it's better for the the batters. If, well, you know, we'll talk about spin rates, different different conversation. But uh, pitchers, there's been more than one pitcher now that have, has come out and said that throughout the course of a game, each ball feels different. Whether that is the manufacturer whether that is yeah, no, the is mud it, that they're rubbing on the ball before the game, whatever it is, let, each let me ask ball you, feels different, and there's an issue. Now, is this what you were saying earlier off air about because Democrats are in the White House, something about the ball? Was there any connection, or did I just understand that? I'm just saying if it, if it, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck. Oh, I'm playing. Go ahead. Uh, conspiracy theorists, MLB, the, the scoring's too low. People mm-hmm. aren't going to like there only being seven runs per game. Don't you think that they're going to fix this and they're going to like sub in good baseballs? But that's what they the did last numbers? year, and a lot of people called them out on it. 
because it was obvious there were two different balls used last year. If you watch the Field of Dreams game, juice baseballs. All right, I, right? Got, I got two things. One, I think this could save baseball. Because here's the thing. if it's all, No one likes strikeout or home run baseball. Ball's never in play. All right. So what do you do? If you make the ball harder to hit out, you've effectively made it where playing yes. more like the old style yes. game is, is more optimal. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably – you either can change the length of the uh, home runs or you change the ball. Mm-hmm. This is – and they'll, they'll, they'll ban the shift next year, which is going to lead to more hits. And – I think that it's also a way of how, having, how's it going to lead to more hits? Oh no, it will. The shift's going to more hits. Yes, I, I yeah. And, yeah. It, and it will lend itself to not trying for home runs all the time because hitting no the ball in change. play is going to yes. make more sense. Yeah, I do think that there it's it's a slight it's conspiracy theorist in me designated hitter now universal, which would lead to more offense. How do you decrease that? Change mm-hmm. the baseball, even out the playing field. We'll allow the DH in all thirty teams. But, we're but, but the ball's the different baseball. in the American League, too. I'm saying we're going to change the baseball across and, but the But what I'm saying is the American League's got a DH like they did last year, yeah. but the baseball's different there, too. But there's an interleague play every day, so it's just it's it's now everyone's using a DH. Yeah. So. No, and I understand what a DH is. What I'm saying is that if, if, you're, if you're making an adjustment to the ball to try to affect that half the league has now got one more batter in the lineup instead mm-hmm. of the pitcher— then the fact that the ball is being used in the American League and National League means it's going to be a double effect for something that only affected half the league. If you're trying to compensate. No, you're talking about maybe only affecting games that are played between, you know, in a National League ballpark or in, in an American League ballpark yeah. between two American League teams. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's move on from that. Uh, Mackenzie's got a really good stat here. Basically, he's saying forty-three in April, forty-three percent of the games only went over. Uh-huh. But since May, since we turned the clock, yeah, two-thirds games. of the games, small sample, have gone over. I'd love to know the average well, line well, on the games. He's got that. April eight point three, May seven point six. Good job, Mackenzie. Yeah, big adjustment. And, and in general, whenever something happens, it's able to be followed. Mm-hmm. The people can perceive what it is and identify. They bet it, and then it, it evens itself out eventually. Next week, I'm going to ask you. I'll tease ahead. I started digging in at Savant Baseball Savant. Yeah, Are you familiar? I, with I it? use it constantly. Okay, and some of those numbers are just shocking in their insight and the depth of the insight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of pick your brain on. So you use those? Yeah. All right, we're gonna we'll go through in the next month or so about ten minutes a week on what those numbers mean. Sure. I think they're going to be a harbinger of what we're going to see in football, meaning the depth of the next-gen stats and stuff. So thank you, Scott. You can follow him on Twitter, scottsonair.com. Thank you, bud. Always appreciate you. All right, we continue. And Scott has his uh, his heart out all the time, and we tend to go past it no matter what we do. Okay, guys, quick little uh, – you could call it a commercial, or you could say here is a chance for RJ to give you something. Then we're going to give you great news about – Another day of the week, you're going to have a podcast. <coughs> do you eat peanuts? Yeah. I got to quit eating those peanuts. I don't know why you do it. I, those, sh- those skins get in my throat. Okay, here's the coupon. Now, by, by the way, mark that tape, McKenzie. Why? Those skins. Those skins get in my throat. What could that be? I don't know. Boy, you must read some crazy stuff I don't even know about. Okay, back to the real world. Fez, you went eight and two. I did. We gave a guarantee. People are wondering, do they somehow have a crystal ball? Do they get premonitions? What's causing it? 
How do you answer those questions that perhaps you're doing a type of divi- divination, I think it's called? What is I can neither confirm nor deny? Being a warlock? Well, that's what they call. That's what they call Belichick, apparently. I mean, I, I gotta be. Now, let me ask you a question. I was skeptical of just using the the draft. Do you find if you would have had more volume and you wouldn't have had the controls that we put in upon my feedback, how would those picks have done? Would have had more variance. Would have been like twenty and and nine. So would have won, but you know. It sounds like you would hardly brought any extra. It units. would have been marginal. Yeah. So in a way, I saved you a lot of hassle and, and potential risk. Yes. But in a way, Steve proved you wrong. No. You, he 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 changed his system to one that made sense. And ultimately, too. like think about it. I'm recommending you bet two percent uh, on each bet of your bankroll. Well, now, wait a minute. If I've got 30 bets, that's 60% of the bankroll plus the VIG, which is oftentimes minus 130. We're talking about putting your entire bankroll into play, which is unrealistic. And remember, well, it wasn't when you had to get a job, maybe, if you didn't win that month. <laughs> life, so, on the, life on the edge of the cliff. That was, that was life during the pandemic. Yes. But, but the, the point I'm making is, and I think this is a good one, is I saw your system. I said, man, there's something there. But I also thought to myself, it feels too simplistic. And you said, you know something? I hear you. I'm going to add one more element to it that's going to cut the volume in less than half, it sounds like. Exactly right. Where I judiciously was checking the very sharpest books, what I consider to be the very sharpest books, literally every three hours. Because if I saw players dropping or falling in mocks and there was no movement at those sharp books, I was like, eh, not as valuable as, ooh. This um, this book is uh, definitely a leading indicator that dude is going to move and move significantly. And to be eight and one on those picks, USFL had a loser. That is about as good as you can get. Less volume, great winners. No, we could have done better. Charles Cross screwed uh, us out of the perfection. Except it was a wrong. It was wrong analysis. There was nothing wrong with the analysis. The team just should have taken them. Carolina should have taken them. There you go. The Maulers should get relegated. Is what I think. Now people might think, hey, look. You might think, that's it. RJ gave you enough. You're happy. No. Fez is still grinding. You think he's done? He's not. You think McKenzie's done? How you running, McKenzie? Good. You want to give us some facts to back that up? Uh, 55% for my first 270 plays. Well, that's in- a lot of volume. Yeah, and that's all sports. Wow. Uh, yeah, 55% is the goal, and I'm hitting it, so I'm happy. Damn. I'm going under 55 his next 200 picks. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. I think like 54 and a half. I mean, that's still great. 54% is the number. That's I mean, that's really, great. That's really what you're Especially looking for. Especially if you're playing all sports. Yeah. All right. It doesn't matter who you go to, but you might as well save yourself 20%. And you can. It's called May 20. Now, it's not May as in you're asking us, may you take advantage of these winning picks? It's the month of May. Then the number two. And then the number zero, May 20, and make that uppercase May, May 20. Now, this is good throughout the month, but you can only use it once. Now, I'll give you an example. You can use the coupon on any subscription, any package of your favorite pro. Now, some of the stuff we've been doing that's been going like gangbusters, Faz, is early basketball or early football access. Exactly. Because we make a commitment. If you buy it sooner rather than later, you never get a worse deal ever. And if we somehow offer some better deal, which is rare, we will refund you that difference. We will remunerate you however you want to say it. You will never be worse off for buying it. Cannot have buyer's remorse. Every day you wait, you're getting less value. 
or at minimum the same value. Never better value to wait. It's never a good idea to wait. Now, why do we do that? Because we want your money now. I'll just be honest. Any business would rather the sale now. Because if let's say you die, and we rather know, have the money. Oh, go ahead. We know you'll be telling too much truth there. We know you'll be more likely to win because now when I'm releasing my NFL season wins, That's and true. you can get down because you know what? I have a tremendous retention rate for my clients. You know why? Because I give stuff out earlier than anyone else. We beat the closing number. We crushed the closing numbers. And if you, the earlier you get on board, the more of these. I can't believe Fezzik was able to play this NFL season win on the Bears under seven when they closed six point three. Etc. You know something that might have been your most insightful comment about sales ever, but I still think that we got to acknowledge that the chance of them dying is a factor. The Bears? No, I'm saying that whoever signs up for your stuff, <laughs> there'll be like we got real. I'm just glad you're talking about them and not me. No, no, no. Well, now that's interesting. <laughs> it'd be the friends of Fezzik. It's been done before. It, it'd be like it'd be like. Fezzik taught me the system that no one else knows, and now I'm taking over. But let's be honest. Wouldn't if, be far from If R.J. Bell took over your picks, it wouldn't hurt things. I just I just hope you cut Ebed in on some of the action that that should happen. But yes. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. A little Take bit. care of John. It, it, it's like, remember, <laughs> I'm sure your insurance is fine. Now, <laughs> you always got to make sure the insurance isn't too much. I don't want you to. <laughs> but I, I will say this. I will say this. <laughs> I, there'd be a lot of pressure on me that first year. Oh, yeah. If I had a losing year, that'd be a disaster. Mm. I'd be like, Fez held some stuff back, that mother we, we just got into the last safe deposit box. <laughs> and it's got the really good files. Oh, <laughs> Did we talk about your book? I think yeah. We'll talk about that next week. Okay. I can go through and say you can buy baseball, you can buy Fez, you can buy uh, AJ, you can buy whatever. You can buy anything. Let's keep that simple. It's May 20. You use it once. Look at the football. Look at the other sports. Take advantage. And by the way, we got an exciting announcement, AJ, that involves Fez. Yeah, the Fezic Focus Pod, which usually comes out on this feed. The, it's usually the right pod before right before one. the Dream Pod, which we're doing right now. We're going to move it. We're doing off-season, off-football season. We're doing the Dream Pod on Tuesdays. So until until football season cranks back up, the Fez Focus Pod will be moved to Thursdays. So the thinking here is simple. Fez has his opinions on Monday. He's got opinions on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you want to get all his opinions on Tuesday, that's kind of doubling up for no reason. Fez is willing to drive in. Thank you. Now it's going to be Thursday, so it's going to be different games you get to talk about, different things have happened. Who knows? I might jump on for five minutes. Probably not. Probably not. But we're, I, we're doing a it chance. early. I might scream from the other room <laughs> occasionally, but you two got a following. Fez has had a following for a long time, and having it a different day, I think it's just all value add. And a little the teaser, RJ. on our feed, by yeah, the way. That makes sense. The USFL is going to go bankrupt unless they employ what the – Changes that I am going to lay out on Thursday that will save the league. If anyone's, do you think they're going to go bankrupt for real? Yes. Is that what people are saying? It's too early. That no one's saying that. That's what I'm saying. Can you bet that? Um, Fade the stock. Is there any stock? I wish we could. (laughs) I think. I mean, you're thinking you might go bank. What if you keep losing? I won't keep. <laughs> I think you're overspending your time on it, to be honest. Well, you weren't saying that when it was when I was nine zero and one in two thousand and twenty. I still, but that wasn't the USFL. Yeah, but there's all all these alliance of American football and these XFLs. They're all the same. What about all the games being in the same place? 
Yeah, that's I mean, that's, it's it's different. I like different, you right. know? That's true. That's and what's interesting is that Bir- Birmingham is home. <laughs> you know, they're the only home team, mm-hmm. and they are 3-0 and straight up and against the spread. But, but that's interesting is I would think if they all lived in Birmingham, but the fact that it's a road game for them, too, in a weird The way. crowd roots for them. But you really them. think they just randomly root for the team they say it's from Birmingham? They it do! Has- well, there's no one there except when the Birmingham team plays, so I know it's a fact because the crowd is 300 how's the, how's versus 15,000. How's the rating? Um, they were good week one, and they've fallen off the cliff. <laughs> Shocker. How- all right, so here's what you know. If you're not subscribed to the feed, you're making a mistake. Because, hey, who knows? It might come out early, come out late. It's free to subscribe wherever you get your favorite pods. And by the way, if you have multiple spots, subscribe in multiple places. It helps our numbers, and that means we can put more energy into it. So Tuesday will continue. And come football, who knows what's going to happen, meaning we're going to have a lot of good stuff. Don't even worry about it. Don't even contemplate that. Now you know Tuesday, Dream Preview, Thursday, Fezzik Focus, and throughout May, use May 20, and you get 20% off. No matter what you buy, the show continues. So I had, and you know, might as well say, um, I had a, uh, I'm going to predict a winner with the Grizzlies plus uh, two. It went to one and a half. Coincidentally, once I gave it out on straight out of Vegas, uh, it made no sense to me, Fez. Maybe we start here. Golden State had the advantage of the scheduling because game one was a 45-hour turnaround, right? For Memphis. For Memphis. Uh, You could say Memphis was a little nervous because, hey, they're playing against, you know, the Golden State. They finally arrived. And then uh, there was one other factor I was thinking about. What was it? I can't. Oh, they have the must-win now. I mean, you go down 0-2 at home, you're in trouble. But the lines pretty much stayed the same. Now, it got bet down at the end. Did you see value on the Grizz? This was an official play. I had, I'm 14-5 and five in the NBA in the playoffs. Excellent, excellent. I had Boston in the first game today. Damn. My second play was Memphis plus two. I kept, you know, I'm keeping it very simple. I'm not going through, like, head-to-head matchups and the like. I'm really looking at big picture. And Golden State was laying 2.25. You could There was twos, okay? Mm-hmm. So 2.25 game one. In a really bad spot for Memphis. You nailed it, you know? That was, you know what? That was a real problem. Oh, and we the zigzag, I guess. But that's part of the must win. Go but going back to game one, that was a real problem playing Minnesota. Minnesota was a team on the come. They were playing very well. In fact, there were some people that actually were making the case that Minnesota was better than Memphis, all right? So the bottom line, that 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 went, was a six-game series. It was a war, and then boom, then Memphis had to wheel back less than 48 hours later, game one. Line was 2.25. All right, Memphis loses. But one thing— Cover, they, cover. They cover. They lose by one because Clay Thompson can't make a free throw, Ugh. even though he shoot—what does he shoot, 88% or Yeah, something? but let's be honest. Grizzly, uh, the Grizzlies are winning most of that game. Yeah, so back and back I mean, and at forth. At any given point, you could freeze time and say, from here on, it should have won. And Draymond Green got kicked out at the end of the first half. But you know what? Draymond Green is probably worth one for the— for the game, so maybe that's worth half a point. You know, it's not significant. Mackenzie, do we have the info on Draymond and his point tally? Yes. All right, so we'll get to that in a second. Go ahead, Fred. Okay, so now we go to game two, and we got zigzag in prime play, and I'm going to make a case of global betting recommendation here going forward in the playoffs. This game's going to be over by the time we Exactly right. So, or by the time the pod's out. So, like, the zigzag's got to be, we, we say, worth, on average, about a point and a quarter in a competitively priced series. So, if it was two and a quarter game one, then we would make game two one, mm-hmm. all right? Now, I could make the case 
probably if there were no other factors. But no other factors, but there are other factors. There's two other factors. One, Memphis was in a really crappy game one situation, and a second factor that I haven't heard anybody talking about. Anyone that was watching John ja Moran, he didn't look completely 100. percent He looked a little banged up when he was playing against Minnesota. Well, there was nothing wrong with him. Game six, he looked spot on 100 percent. So the fact that Memphis's best player looks to absolutely be clicking on all cylinders. I think is significant as well. I thought Memphis was an outstanding investment tonight. Now, uh, this could come as a shock, but AJ liked Golden State. He liked the road favorite. No, he didn't. And he liked Golden State. I, I sent you my play. I know. He didn't care. And he bet against me on air. Um, not looking great for him so far. How are you feeling about it? Not and, great. And what was, your no, not great. what was your handicap? My handicap was that... I like Steph. No, that... <laughs> He shoots good. It, listen, it, <laughs> if a 91% free throw shooter makes two free throws, Golden State covers. Okay. Are we talking? Are we having a different conversation? No, here? no. Because if they cover by two or three, it'd be the same. Hey, Grizzlies were winning most of the game. They got tired. When did they get tired? Did he miss both the free throws? He missed both free throws. All right, I'm, I'm going to disagree here because if they, if if he, and I know it's, it's it really doesn't matter because it's just the end game. But, but continue. If, if Golden State goes up three, they foul Memphis. Memphis makes their first free throw. They miss the second. There's a scrum. No one gets the rebound. It's a loose ball. The clock runs out, and the game ends too. Okay. So what's your point? Well, you just said if Clay made both free throws, they would have covered. That's not. I don't agree with that. But it doesn't matter. I agree with that as well. I mean, what I'm saying is that what we, what we could. It's hard to upgrade Golden State relative to the Grizzlies off of that game. You can't. You can't. Could have gone either way. I'm saying if anything, I'm going to upgrade the Grizz by a, a quarter point maybe because they solely can go toe to toe with them and they're fine. They, you know, even tired, they're fine. They want. They winning played a coin flip in a game they were two and a quarter point, two and a half point underdog. So what I'm saying is whatever we learned from game one, game two was better for the Grizzlies, and the fact the line was effectively the same is where I saw the value. But. I, yeah, I I see I see your point. I'm regretting the bet. Though Draymond being out, you can make that a key point too. I mean, Clay I Thompson was in foul trouble. I felt unnecessary foul trouble for most but of the is, game. Is Clay Thompson really that big of a? I mean, right now, I'm not saying if he doesn't play at all, it doesn't hurt him. But if he plays 22 minutes instead of 30, does that really affect anything? I think it mattered last night. He talked about John Morant looking like he was or last game. He looked talked but about John. Is Clay Morant. a defensive stopper now? Now, always, yes. No, I mean, it, with his current reality physically, I don't think he's— I think the 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 myth that Clay Thompson is not 100%, I don't believe that. I, I Like, I'm watching Clay Thompson looks great on offense and defense. I know, Kenzie, like, what do you think of that? Well, Clay Thompson said, like, right when the playoffs were starting, I'm just getting my legs underneath me. I finally feel like my defense is back to where, you know, all NBA defense that it was in years past. So Does that seem right to you? I would say he's not quite there yet. I would say he's not all the way back. He's a plus defender, but he's not. So you're saying he's not, You're saying Clay's lying. Yeah, he's being optimistic about his own, you know, progression. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Feds, here's the question though. You got to answer for Santino. <laughs> Is <laughs> you were the one behind AJ's reckless bet against me last longer? But it seems like at every turn, whenever there's a chance to really assess where we are, I'm ahead. Do you notice? Like, for example, entering this round, I have Phoenix the last longer. He's got Golden State. Phoenix was a bigger favorite. 
over their opponent than yours. So, like, at what point are you going to say, hey, you know what? I didn't have the best of that, and R.J. was right. R.J. was right because Booker is coming back. I, by all claims, you know, faster and stronger than we expected. And there's always yeah, the we concern. didn't expect Booker to be out in the the Grizzlies series against the Warriors. No, we didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Against uh, Dallas. Sure, but 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 by Booker making a full recovery quicker is certainly occurring. So you agree that I've got the best? Oh, one. absolutely. Usually, just let time, enough time pass by, and my the truth of my bets exert there themselves. You, there you go. But you still feel confident. I still feel good. <sighs> Did you want to back his bat a little bit? No. Okay. You know, you caused me not to cross bat you. It's so much respect that when you said that, I go, boy, I think Fez is wrong, but I'm not going to cross bat him. I should throw that respect out the window. I should have just, <laughs> I should have just fired. <laughs> now, what do you, it's going to be interesting. Phoenix, Golden State. Let's assume both series go about the same. The Phoenix looked really good. Yeah. I mean, it was a surgical dismantling of Dallas. And they haven't lost to him all year. I know exactly what RJ's going to ask me. Yeah, so what do you think the odds are going to be in the next series with Phoenix having home court? Phoenix is going to be minus 120 on the series. I can accept that. I could even see I can even see Pickham. So the perception is that Golden State's better, but Phoenix the home court's going to be enough to just barely make them a tiny favorite. Yeah, that's going to be good. So if we but if you both get to I think I've got a better chance of you being eliminated before this round. I, I think Dallas has hardly any chance right now. You agree with that? Yeah. I think Luke. I just don't think it's a good matchup for him. The Suns well, have won ten straight versus the Mavericks. Well, Luca just won for forty-five last night. And it was, and and they didn't they even cover. They, Couldn't they even were, cover. They were down by twenty, like when the game was really competitive. I mean, Phoenix kind of let off the gas. I mean, the closest it got was six with a minute. You know, left. I got. I got to say that you know, this whole idea of like the randomness of NBA. There are so many games when the spread is like six, eight, that a team kills the other team, and then the final 45 seconds, you know, just roll the dice. 50-50, whether they cover or not laying seven. I wonder what shot quality said on that game, McKenzie, the game last night. You want to pull that up, please? I bet it was a blowout. Yeah, Dallas made a lot of long shots late. Yeah, and pull so, it up. Yeah, and what was interesting to me is if Phoenix was really Machiavellian, you could make the case that them letting him back in it was the best thing they could have done. Absolutely. Because one, it makes him think maybe Lucas going being, you know, as, uh, <laughs> as, um, oh, I'm having a mental block. Uh, God damn it. The guy, uh, Ryan Rosillo, as he was calling it, heliocentric teams, which apparently means overemphasis on one. I'm unfamiliar with that phrase. But like Helios, yeah. What? But 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 Luca, it feels like that he was like they were saying, "Go ahead, shoot, shoot, shoot." And the fact they got within six makes it feel like maybe he'll keep doing that, as opposed to saying we got to totally reevaluate. Right after this Dallas team, the mo- they got their mojo back when he was out, and everybody else got to, to shoot mm-hmm. the ball. So. Although when the coach comes out and says Luca did his part, somebody else has to do something. That seems like you're saying, Luca, keep doing what you're doing. Mm. Uh, But, I mean, if you say somebody else on this team has to do something, like that's calling out 11 guys to – Yeah, to try to do better, but it's not saying for Luca to do less. They're saying Luca can't do anymore. We're going to keep Luca doing the same. So what does shot quality tell us, McKenzie? Surprising result. It actually had the Mavericks as the better team, 115 to 110. Wow. Really? Boy, that may, I think uh, the Suns are breaking these models. No team. They shot 14 for 20 for mid-range at 70%. You should shoot 35%. Now, do they break this Do they break this down per possession? Can you look at the assessments of each shot? Wait a minute. How are you shooting 35% for mid-range? That's the average, NBA average. They shot 70% the last two games. The, the NBA average is only 35%? Yeah, because if you're taking a mid-range oh, so, shot. So, hold on, hold on. 
Why are you getting personal with this, Mackenzie? Sorry. There's seriously, people, I, why I though? I don't feel like it was personal, but it, I, I mean, okay. you're like raising. I mean, seriously, when someone questions it, if you're so insecure you can't handle it, then you're in the wrong show. Answer the question and show them you're right. Then you won't get as many questions. Go ahead. So the NBA league average for mid-range shots, which is what the team wants you to take, the defense is taking. Now away you're threes. adding a bunch of extraneous info. It's Tell him make the case. It's thirty-five. I mean, that's what it is league-wide this but year. Is thirty-five percent. So here's the thing he's missing that he should say is if you look at two-point shooting in general, you're going to look at forty-five, forty-six percent. If you take away the shots at the rim, what's left? It's going to be significantly less, right? Sure. Here, here's where I'm struggling with. Yeah. How can a team shoot thirty-five percent or from three? And 35% from well, that's, two. That's why they're saying long twos are bad. But the long twos still should go in. The 18-footer should go in more than the 23-footer. Well, right? you're only shooting eight. Well, a lot of teams are only shooting those shots when it's like the end of uh, the shot clock. Now that, I, I think, right. is a great point. That basically all these shots are occurring. No one would take these shots early in a shot clock. So now maybe all those shots are like... Since they're taboo, you only take them at the end of a yeah, shot. They're going to be more difficult oftentimes. Mm. But with a Phoenix that's more comfortable taking those shots, they shoot a higher mm. percentage. See, McKenzie, it doesn't have to be personal. I'm learning every day. You well, know, you might have to learn faster. I'll try. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what? So what are we seeing here? I, I haven't looked at the shot quality before. What are we saying? I don't see that they have it breaking down. Right. By I'm uh, going to take. Send me the uh, our login for this. I'm going to take a gander at this. And I'll have it right, you know, next week I'll have some ideas on it. All right. But listen, in general, I think this is a respected site, right? So, I mean, that's so that makes you seem like you should want to up your bet on, on Golden State, I think. No, I'm good. All right. Okay. Next. So, Fez, dealer's choice. Give me what do you think the most interesting NBA topic is right now? The parody. So, I don't think I've ever seen this before. I just um, pulled up the odds on everyone to win the title. Wow. Uh, Golden State plus 250. Now, this is before tonight's game. Before tonight's games. Phoenix 3 to 1. Milwaukee 4 to 1. Boston 5. Miami 6. Whole lot of teams with a chance to win. Um, you contrast that, of course, with the Golden State great teams where they're north of minus 200 to win the title. So, because of that parity, one thing I'm going to be looking at, RJ, you know, we talk about the zigzag all the time. I don't really know how effective the zigzag really is when you've got like a mismatch series because then sometimes it's just about can the better team be motivated, you know, when they get up, you well, know, off I of a win. I would make the case that that's some of the most potent is this so-called gentleman sweep is often mm. they just don't want to. It takes a lot of will to go up against a team down 0-2 that's trying their best in a road stadium. And then you mm. get down by six or seven or eight in the third. And sometimes the game just gets away from you. Sure. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is is because of the circumstances of these there's so much parity now with the zigzag instead of worrying about the point spreads I'm just going to be asking my team to win most of the time because the point spreads are going to be so low in a Golden State um you know showdown against Phoenix by example AJ had I thought a really insightful actionable point about the Philly series so right now Philly series is one game in heat dominate the first game even though Sixers were tied at halftime or they were up I think one and a half we're speculating with the line being eight that uh, Heat win game two, and then we're going to have the famous down 0-2 game three at home. In theory, Embiid's coming back at that point. That's what the reverse-engineered money line for the series implies. Oh, it, it doesn't? Okay. Yes. McKenzie did good work on that. Now, here's the question. I love fading the zigzag and going with Miami in the first half, let's say, plus, let's say, two and a half. Game line be two and a half also? Yeah, that's what we're thinking. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Because it's not 
here's why. Two main reasons. AJ's point, which is he'll be using the mask for the first time. I guess he used it in 18. But Embiid, right? Yeah. And thus, he's, if he's going to be uncomfortable at any point, it's going to be early in the game. So why not bet against him then? Mm-hmm. Number two, usually the crowd is going to propel you when you're down 0-2. But in Philly, you're afraid they're going to turn on you. You're more nervous. I mean, Ben Simmons was mentally broken effectively by that crowd. <laughs> it feels like that might be the spot where the pressure is more than the uh, momentum or the sense of like propelling forward. Thus, I think maybe that 0-2 zigzag isn't as effective for a Philadelphia. Boy, you know, that, that's a good point because you get a crowd like in Memphis or Minnesota, you get behind. And they really and, and want you. They, to- really are, they really are great fans. But uh, that Philly crowd, they and, and they've been disappointed. <laughs> they've been disappointed a lot by this By team. Santa Claus. And if they're, yeah, exactly. And so if they go. So if, do you like what we're saying? I do. I think it makes it makes a lot of sense that and you know you're going to get this outstanding first half value because the trend was so strong on these O2 teams well, so heading home. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I, I I think what we've seen historically here or this year is something where the second half's like even or I'm sorry, the second half is like even or the other team even is favored. But, you know, we've had times where the home team was favored by like two and a half in the first half and underdog significantly in the second half. I've never never seen anything like this. Yeah, yeah, where where one team's favored for the first half and the other team's laying three and a half in the second half. And it's assumed the rationale of it, and it's in that case, the laying the second half is implied from the game line. It's not that, yeah, is the rationale is that that, that this whole phenomenon of a team down 0-2 winning the third game, that the advantage of the home court in that super zig is early in the game, and thus the spreads accounted for it the first half. And that really is like what a revelation! Like, like, like all of it, that extra incentive, it all comes. And it's not even just the first half. It seems like it's the first quarter. These first quarter lines are jacked through the roof. That's true. All right, this is the dream preview. We're winding down. AJ, you got any major NBA you want to discuss? Nothing. All right, now you got a UFC coming up. We talked a little baseball. Fez, your USFL started slow, but are you are you pulling back any units, or are you betting the same amount now, or what? Well, interesting. This week is not going to be a heavy volume week in the USFL because, frankly, if I look at my power ratings, all the numbers are pretty close to spot on. But I have every confidence that I will be firing still with the USFL, and I'm doing all the work on the USFL. I expect that I will be very successful by the end of the year. Now, WNBA starts up. Or how's your work on that? Are you doing those picks? That I've got to. I've got to. I've not decided yet. And here's here's the conflict I have. I'm doing the USFL full time right now. I got to look at the, at the WNBA the four, schedule. The four games a week. Yes. Yeah, you might be spending too much time on it. Could be. Could I mean, be. is there even how much derivative betting is there? Like can very you little. Then it's just you're wasting your time. You're the market's right. going to shape. I mean, how long do you think the market's just going to be off? Not long. Well, this is the first week where I wasn't just firing tons and of bets, it, you know, against the openers. Yeah. And how many bets could there be when there's four, four games? Four games and yeah. Yeah, I think I think look at the WNBA would be my thing. You're it? correct, I and I so. will be looking at the WNBA. Or get ready for the NFL. Well, that's all. That's a given. Wow. I mean, except if it's the night before, you, uh, you know, the season starts the next day and it's like, wait a minute, you don't, aren't giving me to the next morning to be ready to bet these win totals? <laughs> That's going to be fun, though. In the, uh, you know what you need to get, AJ? You know what we need to do? We need to get in an AJ contest. That, what should the contest has college now? 
because it, it was one. The gold nugget for a while, but they barred me, so I couldn't play. I don't care. All right, but the gold nugget, the gold nugget, that's the one that Brad did a good performance yes. in. Yes. They have college. I think he had a third and a fourth. Yeah. Yeah, they, they had, had college. I, okay. Maybe we're looking at that. We'll now, they, now, the, the, um, I know you think I'm shilling for them, but I have no affiliation whatsoever. But William Hill has the college-only contest, and you definitely should get into that. But, but how much is the entry? Five hundred dollars, and there's a and there was a massive overlay this past year. Okay, yeah, but I like the yeah, that's fine. I as long as, hey, listen, if it's a cheap entry and there's not a lot of contestants, that's even better. But I hate mm. the like the main super contest. Uh, it's there's just so many people. It feels like the World Series of Poker in 07, 08. It's worse because the World Series of Poker pays ten percent, and 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 the Westgate. I think they pay. It wound up being like one and a half percent of the people got paid. You know? Now, but who knows what who they're going to pay this what, year, right? Yeah, but our and by the way, we will really with like maybe more passion than ever be going for our fourth straight winning year in the Super Contest. I you know I'm ready to really give it a go this year. I mean I've been trying hard, but. You know, one, the fact that we got a great streak going, but also the fact that I feel like my NFL has grown a lot. And the fact that it's almost, it's funny when you go back and look back in hindsight, I'm like, how did I win before? <laughs> but that, but that's like what I'm going to think now in five years. I, mean, I guess that's one of the. There's but, no limit. Poker players like that, right? They're like, like they look at the game where I'm at currently at. It's like, how would, how, how was I winning all those tournaments back in 2008? But it does bring up an interesting point, which is a lot of writers, like you would think that writing, would be a field that you would grow too, but like, how many authors write a better have written better books at age sixty than age twenty five? Well, part of it's they used up all their best material. Uh, I think. Well, yeah, that's an interesting point, but some of it is is synaptically, mentally. There's certain things that require like chess, right? No one's a better chess player at sixty, any high level guy, than they were at twenty. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, I mean, but like, they're probably you know they're probably better in the rudimentary in in, in the Certain end games, but what you're saying doesn't and the matter. openings, it yeah. But matter. the middle game, they just get crushed because it's all calculation. Yeah. So, but net net, they're worse. That's right. So you know, I guess that's the nice thing about handicapping. I feel like that since you don't have to now, you do. You know, you've done card counting. You've been, you know, not a ton, but on teams and stuff. Yeah. Um, in general, would you say people that are reaching their fifties and sixties that's known in that industry is it, it's a time when people become less good at it? Oh, certainly, because it is a lot of quick thinking. Yeah, and and what happens a lot of the players they use like the advanced point count and the like, and they have to forego it when they get to like fifty, and they start just using the basic plus one minus one because it's just too taxing on them to do you know the extra calculations. And it's it's fascinating because things like high the highest math, things like uh, lyrical poetry, youth is a big big advantage. But there's other things that that like philosophy philosophy for example, a lot of the great philosophical works came from people that were older. So the, everyone slips a little bit. The question is, does that little bit matter mm-hmm. in what you're doing? Does that la- like tennis used to be a sport that if you slipped at all physically, you couldn't. I mean, think about it. Players used to retire at 26, 27. The women, 24. Uh, and now you got, you look at, uh, I mean, obviously Federer is Nadal is, is, how old is Nadal? I mean, he's a couple years younger than Federer, but I mean, it's like he's way past when. Yeah. I mean, you think and about Federer it. also. And, and, you well, know, but Federer's dropped way off. And, and, the, and the only reason these guys kept it up is like the, the Tom Brady, better nutrition, better taking care of your body type of thing has prolonged their lifestyle. Pete Sampras retired at age 32. Nadal's 35 and still going. Yeah. And Nadal's like, I think he's almost even money for the French here. But I mean, he's a, a master on that. Specialist. Surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of getting old, AJ, you had some trouble. 
I did have some trouble. You want uh, to share with us? Yeah, what happened? I tried to uh, get back in the gym, uh, get myself back into some some better shape, and <laughs> uh, may have pushed myself too early, too soon, and uh, retore my ACL for the third time. Now, was this the ACL that you, you when you won your one fight, you also heard it? No, when I lost my one fight, I no, heard. I thought you said you didn't you win as that no, was your the, amateur fight. Was yeah, it? the amateur fight that I lost. The the only loss I've ever had in MMA. I, I tore my ACL in the fight. So you're saying if it, it, it takes that kind of debilitating injury for you to go down. I like to believe that. Uh, I think I think also, like, if I would have kept fighting, it probably happens more often. But, but in, he, in a five-fight sample, the one fight that I lost, I lost because... I'm not saying it wasn't your ACL, but... In the family jewel. In the family jewel, man. Worst oh, pain there is. It, wa it was the ACL. It was the ACL. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little weird science for those that don't know. You but, uh, that? I am, but I'll, uh, I'll be every damn night on the telephone. Okay. I'll, I'll be rehabbing for some time now. So, so, I mean, at this point, and listen, I'm not, I don't say this lightly, but I always understand the darkest thoughts that people will have. You thought when you were down, I'm sure like, I'm never going to be what I was like. Yeah. It, it was like the sign like this is it. This will be a demarcator. Yeah. I told my wife, I was like, you know, I, I honestly, so you might as well leave me. I said, I thought that I was going to get back into this. I thought I would get my black belt and you know, and that's, I, I don't think that's in the cards now. So, but here's the question you, and I'm being serious here. If you rehab a hundred percent these days, supposedly now, maybe it's different. You're 41, 41 is if you rehab aggressively and with good professional help, you can get back a hundred percent, right? Sure. So I, after I tore my ACL, I fought nine months after an ACL tear, Okay, 10 months after an ACL tear. So, okay. But what I'm saying is you were younger, mm -hmm. you feel, and now it's the second or the third time. Third time. And so he's hit the point of demarcation and in, in, in the well, sense. No, no, maybe he has, maybe he has. He, let's he, not, let's, oh, I know. I spoke to him mentally. Yeah. You, AJ is recognizing the risk reward is not going to be worth it. Yeah. All right. So, but that, that that's another question. Can you compete? In jujitsu, without as much contact, I mean, is it no. so, you got to be rolling around yeah. hard? Okay, so now, but there's other ways to get black belts, right? That isn't jujitsu. Sure. I'm just, I mean, what I'm saying is, it seems like those kids aren't, and I'm, I don't know a lot about martial arts, but it seems like there's times that there's not as much sparring. There, there are sports like, not to, not to piss anybody off, but like taekwondo, mm -hmm. you can be a black belt at 10 years old. Okay. That's not. It's not a. That it, it doesn't. That's not a sense of accomplishment. Okay, but, but I guess what I'm saying is, isn't there something that isn't about it, how simple it is or how much less hard it is? But it's about there's less. Like, is there anything that a 60 year old could do? And, and, and let's use that as an example, right? You're going to be better off than a 60 year old. When, a typical when you're recovered from this. Right. In theory, you're going to yeah. be about what you would be at 42, 43, but you're going to in the back of your mind be worried about the knee. Isn't there something? Is there any uh, martial arts that a 60 year old could do? Jiu Jitsu. OK, but you're saying that requires to be rolling around a bunch where you're going to your knees going to be. And risk. if I was 60 and I could roll around with other 60 year olds, it'd be one thing. I don't want to roll around with 60 year olds like that. That's yeah, not a, a that, so the guy when I was when I got hurt this time, I was rolling with a 20 year old, mm -hmm. which now maybe that was a mistake in hindsight. Sure, uh, because it's funny the things AJ's the type. He's like everyone or a lot of people that dads I grew up with were like this is 
they are so stubborn about their limitations that they're instead of saying, hey, I'm 41 and I haven't worked out hardly in a year, you know, and again, in a way, though, here's the thing. My grandfather, who passed away a couple years ago, he, about 10 years before that, he fell, he was uh, 85, right? Now, it's not analogous to you, but it's analogous in the following way. He was someone who built like eight houses in his life from scratch. Mm. He worked 30 years at Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel, worked another six or seven at a company called Picoma. He got a second pension, which he loved that. Oh, my God. It was like for 80 bucks a right. month, but he loved it. And then he was getting so secure, you know, all the stuff he deserved, right? He was a World War II vet, stormed the beaches of Normandy, day three, but still, still gutsy. He was stubborn, like nothing, like he was 80. It was like, I can do this, I can do that, he can do this. Hits 85, and they were fixing a deck. Now, he's 85 years old. My dad was helping him. There was a ladder. It was raining. You ever be on a deck when it's raining? It mm -hmm. gets slick, right? He didn't want to wait. My dad was taking too long, so he climbed up on the roof that was on top of the deck. So it's about maybe 10, 12 feet with no one holding the ladder. So he gets to the top, and before he, when he's trying to step off, the ladder slips. He falls 10 feet cracks his head, like, you know, when you're falling, the back of his head on this thing. He goes, oh, stands up and goes, man, that was a close call. Climbs back up the ladder, does it. But about a, two weeks later, he woke up, like, called my mom screaming. He couldn't move his mm -hmm. legs. So they had a subdural hematoma, which was a light, you know, light bleeding that put, eventually put pressure on the brain. Well, here's the sad thing. Well, it's kind of sad, but it wasn't really ultimately... He had about six months. It was like for the first couple of weeks, it was touch and go. He was going to make it. Then he started fighting back. He had to have a, they call it, uh, people will know about this, a, a, a burr bur, bur hole. But it wasn't, it was like a microscopic one instead of the bigger one. And they said, like, he probably will never be able to walk unassisted again. Like, literally two, like, like six weeks later, he was walking. It's like he was a, a marvel. But he was, ne he probably got back to 92%, let's say. And then he slipped as years passed. But I think if he didn't fall, he probably would have had significantly better those years. But here's the thing. If he was the type that would have waited on the ladder for my dad, he wouldn't have done all the other shit that got him to the yeah. point. So in a weird way, it's kind of stupid in a vacuum that you're rolling around with a 20-year-old. But <clears throat> that kind of boldness, that kind of like I'm not going to wait, I'm not going to think about it, I'm going to do it, has helped you in a lot of things. So you got to kind of roll. Okay. Yeah, that's, you see what I'm saying? It makes me feel a little better about it. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Oh, us? it's very well said. Yeah. So like like every time like I go on the treadmill, I'm taking a risk. You know, if I'm putting it. Not I'm putting really. My, well, if I take my heart rate up to 170, you know, that's like too much. Is that what? The charts. <laughs> but then again, if I get through it, okay, then that's going to be good for me the rest of my life up until the day I dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. But what I, w I would say it's close. The only difference I would say is AJ, the kind of guy that like hurt his foot and what was it it was the beginning of Ranger airborne school, school. airborne school mm. and he wouldn't like take a break and then he hurt his foot so bad he couldn't go into like it hindered him the rest of his career in the service that stuff seems dumb but it also is why he got into radio and mm. and, and quite frankly Howard Stern was copying him Thank I mean you. like that it all comes full circle <laughs> but I do believe that and 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 I also think the following you know like I uh, I, um, hmm, what's the analogy here? I was going to tell something specific, but it's probably not, I don't want to say, uh, it's just someone we, the show knows, you know, but I would say this, if you focus on your health because you feel so human, you see what I'm talking about? Because you feel so human right now, 
it could mean you have a better health, even with the knee, and then it's going to fit, get fixed. You'll have better health the rest of your life because you're more cognizant that, hey, you're at the age now you got to think about it. And the, the problem for me has always been, and the reason why martial arts were so good for me is like regular, like running, biking is boring to me. Mm-hmm. So for me to get a cardio workout. What about, what about racquetball? You and you and Mackenzie playing racquetball. Maybe that's the future for There's me. There's a lot of change in direction in racquetball. Bad. Wait, what about pickleball? His, his knee, listen, his knee is the type that he doesn't want kicked in the knee. It's not that he can't change direction. No, that's that's exactly what an ACL is, the change of direction. I know. I'm saying once it's 100%, the theory no, is. No, it's you're, 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 you're <laughs> at risk. He needs to go in one. He needs to know where he's going. I need to be and a swimmer. He, or, like, or a runner or like a biker. It sounds like he's a grand. Like you're talking about your grandfather. You can't with all these ACL injuries. You can't be playing a sport that you're suddenly changing direction, and that's what racquetball is. Is that how you feel, AJ? Kind of. What is, now? Have you gone to an elite surgeon? Yeah. Uh, like a top surgeon. You're not trying to like. Oh, he's in the. He's in the uh, circle or whatever. No. Uh, yeah. My my second surgery, I got. I had one of the best. I'm talking about this time. Oh no, I haven't. I haven't seen a, a doctor yet. When's it going to happen? Uh, I'm on the schedule for an MRI. His swelling has to go down. Yeah, my, I can't. Okay. It's gonna but be shouldn't you line up the the the, the, the expert? Yeah, my doctor. You should get he, someone at UNO that's associated with the team at UNLV. I know people. I mean, you want? I can connect you. You got to get a pro at this. I mean, what I'm saying is, this is the kind of thing that this is where having a little money helps. Because I'm not saying the other doctors don't know what they're doing, but let's be honest. When Hirsch or um, Kershaw is getting a shoulder surgery, he's just not going to the guy in the strip mall, right? Right. So <laughs> it, what I'm saying is if you have a chance to get someone who's doing, like, this is a sports-type injury, someone that does athletes, that's probably the way to do it, don't you think? I would think so. So that's what you should be looking for right now. See who's in your circle or whatever they call that. What's that called? Your network. Network. Find the guy who's doing work on UNLV people. If not, I know my good buddy George knows a lot of people at UNLV. We can get a recommendation. Okay. All right? I'm not paying for it. Okay. But I'm saying, all right. In a way you are. Yeah, but, you do, you know, that's fine. You know, you do what you want, you know. I'll pick you up at the hospital when you're Thank you. home. Thank you. That's what I need. Why? Because you need, like, a little something checked out on your shoulder or something? No. Orthopedics? No. All right. Anything else in the NBA? Nothing else. What do you think about the injury stuff when Luca? Uh, it was like Luca came back in the line, moved like three points, and, and Luca's like worth six, seven points. You it know, that was the strange. It was and like, seven seems high, but that's what the initial line was adjusted when he was out. Yeah, the it was almost like they didn't think Luca was going to be close to hundred percent when he came. Yeah, back. I agree with that. I, yeah. I think in general, the belief that someone it's a binary and they come back and they're there or they're not is, is a mistake, and it's another reason to look to go against Embiid. I think. Not to mention, I think there's a little bit of a fallen star situation that when that and maybe this is what why the line doesn't move as much that the rest of the team has been like stepping it up like crazy the games that the star is out okay we're gonna exhale and we can relax we and instead of giving 110 percent we give 100 percent and the game becomes back but under that theory there'd always be a depressed adjustment when a player comes back and there's not that's right that's true i mean and that's why i think oftentimes Sure seems like when that star player comes back, that team does not do well. No, though. I agree with that. But Especially market, in a big but favor role. But, but that's a different factor. We're saying the market adjusts one way, the betting or the handicap goes the other. Yeah. Right? In this case, the market didn't adjust. Maybe it um, Maybe it brings up the point that the market's getting smarter. Oh, I think it. that's definitely the case each and every year. 
All right, AJ, you got another best bet for it. I do have a best bet for the UFC this weekend, pay-per-view UFC 274. I have a little insight to this because I've I've trained with the guy who's fighting in the main event, Charles Oliveira. I uh, started training with him in 2010. He now holds the record for submissions in the UFC's history. Uh, so he's fighting in the main event, the lightweight championship, fighting against a guy named Justin Gaethje. And I'm going to go with Oliveira inside the distance plus 110. I think this there's no way that this so fight inside go, the distance means, means it doesn't go five full rounds. Okay. So it doesn't go to the judge's decision. So I can't say Oliveira by knockout. That's the wrong term. Well, I don't think he's 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 going to get a submission. He, Knockout yeah. slash submission. Yeah, it, it would be the same thing. Well, it's so, called inside the distance. Yeah, yeah, or to finish, it'll be some sort of prop like that. Mm-hmm. So Oliver is a minus one sixty five favorite to win the fight. I, I'm throwing out that seventy five cents because I don't I don't need it. This fight is not. If he loses, he's going to get knocked out. If he wins, he's going to finish. This is not going to go five rounds. I believe he's going to win. So I'm taking that plus 110 instead of laying minus 165. Gaethje actually was quoted as saying, once you quit, once you let yourself quit, he's talking about being submitted, it's in your head that you always have that out. The last fight, which was his third loss, it was the first time he ever tapped. He was submitted. Mm. So So now he's done that. He way before said something that now applies. Now applies to him. He and he fought. He was fighting against Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's consensus greatest, one of the greatest fighters. The guy that had the trouble on the bus, him and and McGregor. Yeah. Yep. And so he submitted Justin Gaethje. There's no, there's no harm in it. But once, like he said himself, once you let yourself quit, yeah. it's always in your head that you can. Now he's fighting against the guy who has submitted more people <laughs> than anyone in UFC history. I think Charles Oliveira inside the distance plus one ten, much smarter bet than him to win minus one sixty five. So it's Oliveira, and the opponent is Gaethje. Copy leader to identify Baker T. Rambo, Mesner, Ortega. Coletta, Jorgensen, Danforth, Barry, Krakauer. Confirmed. Roger. You've seen Rambo One, right? Yes. That's one of the that's the great scene because like <laughs> Stallone hasn't responded to anything, right? So he pulls that and then Stallone says, They're all dead, sir. <laughs> And he goes, so and so still like one guy. Yeah, one but. of my one of my favorite things about you Mm-mm. is, and you, you always you say like you sometimes you're surprised. We'll talk movies sometimes off the air, and yeah. you're surprised at some of the movies. Yeah, that I've you seen got some good enjoyed. knowledge on it. I love that you love Rambo One <laughs> it's because great. It, it is great, but it seems it seems like a movie that you would be above. No, and you're like, no, it's a great no, movie. I because like it's like the, the the psychological profile of the police. Like, um, is he a captain or sergeant? It doesn't matter. He's bad. He's, like how many people would say he's, Rambo's he's, he's one of the bad, great films of all time? But you know, that, you know, the problem like most most films would just have like that guy being like the, like a villain. But that guy was like you could see in the right roles and, and circumstances he he could be a good cop. It's just the, it just it, you know monkey in the rest. You got to remember this movie was made like in '82. I mean the the post Vietnam yeah. like. As a country, us reconciling how the country treated the vets in a bad way. And it was just Reagan came in and there was a lot of raw, raw America. And again, I was like 10 years old, but it was like I was pretty on it. It was like, wow, this is, you know, and I tell you this, I'm not one to ever be part of any club, really. Um, I had like an army jacket in high school, right? Because that's where I grew up. A lot of people, you know, but I had a, a, like a POW MIA patch and my sporty friends were like, what the hell is with that? And it's like, to me, even as a kid, I'm like, if you go fight 
and they're left over there. It's like, what? Like, that sounds like the worst thing. So, yeah, I, I, you know, my dad's a Vietnam vet, but he was in the Navy, so it never felt like he was really, you know, like, I guess in theory, the Vietnamese could have attacked the ship, but the USS Independence, I don't think they were going to attack necessarily. I'm, I met an old man, older man at yeah. the VA hospital who had a hat that he would wear all the time that said, Jane Fonda's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because, I mean, she was so adamant. But in a weird way, and I'm not much at all for that kind of stuff, meaning like anti-America. Even if it's America's wrong, it just feels like there's a better way to do it. But in a weird way, there were so many kids dying. Like we talked about Ali last week and how like he, he was trying to save people's lives. You can see how getting extreme if you think it's going to save life. If someone said, AJ, you can go in there and do X or do Y. If you do X, you're going to save some kids. If you do Y, you're going to save more kids from dying. But the society in general will not like you. It kind of takes courage sure. if you believe that you're going to save people's lives to be disdained like that. So in a way, maybe she deserves what she gets because that was the price. But I think it was from the right place. Right? I mean, even if she – I don't know. I think if, someone, if you disagree with someone and they have good intentions, it's hard to hate them. But if someone has wrong intentions, I don't care if they're doing what I like or not. I don't want, I don't like them, you know? Do you think Fonda was like trying to like make herself feel better? Uh, I only know the stories very secondhand. Yeah. So yeah, I, but she I, was like, like saying I would be, I, she went over and like, I think she visited the Vietnamese. She was saying she was, it was almost like she was trying to support. Like she wanted the U.S. to lose the war. Yeah, which felt seems like. wrong to me for yeah. sure. So that's the question is how do you save the kids if you thought it was a, because let's be honest, the country doesn't want to look too closely at it. But they say, if you look at the Pentagon Papers, and I'm no expert on this, but they say that there was a time, like in 66 or 67, that we knew we couldn't win the way we were fighting the war. That Unless we made a major change in how we did it. with the, You know, that was the line in Rambo. They didn't even let us win. And I don't know how true that is or not, because now in hindsight, other people are saying that's not quite true, and we would have had trouble no matter what we had done other than nuclear weapons. But, which, how do you do that if you're trying to save, a, you know, in a way you're trying to free a country? is if we continued letting people die from 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, all the way, 74 was over the withdrawal, like how egregious is that? I mean, it's like, I mean, tens of thousands of people died in that time. Yeah. And people, and, and, and at the time, the draft, it was a draft, but it was inequitable. George W. Bush didn't go. Trump didn't go. Now, we can say they were justified or not, or, hey, is it better to go to Canada? But a lot of uh, disproportionately poor people died yep. in that war. So to me, now, here's the, the thing. That in most wars, by the way. Yeah. Though I think WW2, you'd have to say it wasn't like that. At least it was a lot less like yeah. that. Where everyone went. Um, was there even a draft in, in World War II? There was. was not, what, really? but, but a lot of people came right after Pearl Harbor. There was a lot of people assigned. Yeah, yeah I, w I was thinking it wasn't even necessary. I mean, even like Corleone. Right. But eventually they had it with 35 years. I mean, I think they showed that in Saving Private Ryan where like Hanks is older. There. Mm. They had a lot of like people in their Schulte, early 40s yeah. that got drafted. Yep. I mean, they needed mm. everyone. Uh, you want to read that, Mackenzie? Yeah, it's fascinating that it was, you know, before. Pearl Harbor. So on September 16th, 1940, the United States instituted the Selective Training and Service Act, which required all men between 21 and 45 to register for the draft. Now, I don't know if it's still the case, but when I turned 18, you had to sign up 
to like be on the rolls regarding like being draftable or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So was that it the was case? Scary. Yeah. You went right I was in? already in before I was 18. Yeah, so. yeah. That scares you? Selective yeah. service, I think it was yeah. called or something. And it was funny because I didn't really understand what it was. <laughs> and so when I went to, you know, Ohio State at the time was cheap. I mean, I think the, because I was in state, right? Mm -hmm. So this would have been the late, late 80s into the 90s is um, it might have been something like 3500 a year or something, like for, for like three quarters. It was like. I think it was less. It might have been. It was not much, right? So we got to check the first or the bill the first time. And, and listen, my dad was a coal miner. My mom was a school teacher. But they never spent money. So, like, there was, you know, if, if my dad would get a card, be every 20 years, but he'd just buy it with cash, right? Because he was the type he didn't want dad. He didn't, you know. So, but it would, he'd keep it for 20 years, right? So it was kind of a catch-22. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Is that right? And Oh, me, yeah, yeah. maybe. I, I hear you there. I didn't think of that. <laughs> but I don't like to drive that much. But anyway, um, uh, my bill was for 6000 So I thought, oh, it's the whole year. So I pay it. And then somehow I find out, say, they wanted me to pay again next quarter. And I'm like, what the heck's this? And I went in, they said, oh, you didn't sign up for selective service. And I said, well, what's that? And I didn't even know about it, I don't think, at the time. And then it was like they said, and we charge you the out-of-state until you <gasps> do that or something. I said, okay. And But it was kind of funny that, that, that like, you would think that I'd be looking at every dog. And it's like, yeah. to some degree, it was like, I don't know. It kind of connects with the whole, um, when I had my house almost foreclosed. Right, because I ignored like I had a I had one bank account at Bank America that they were withdrawn from that you'd funded. And I put like ten thousand in there, and then when it came, then it kind of got to zero. But I never opened the statements, and then it it it, it, it didn't process for one month. Didn't process the second month. I didn't even look at the letters, and then boom, they started a foreclosure. And so when they tacked something on my door, it was like, what's this? And that's when I, and then I got so pissed. I think I mentioned this like a month ago. I ended up paying the whole thing off. It was only like, uh, only, but you know, it was like 80K I had left on yeah. it. Because the house was like 120 because I bought a fixer upper back in like 2000. And so I said, screw you guys. I was, how much is it to pay it off? They said like 70. I go, you'll have the check tomorrow. Mm. I just paid. So I was thinking not many people go from a foreclosure to the full payoff, I don't think. No. But it's kind of shown some of my stupidity, I think. It, I mean, it, Mary's the first person to tell me this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She it, saved me. Like that was right when I met her too. And it, it fascinates me in a way, in really in two ways. One, that someone who can have so much success in their life can let something like that happen. It shows you how massively talented I am. And, Focus. And quite, no, Focused. no, 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 no. And what a failure I've been. Mm. In I mean, it really is. But it's, it's also that like someone who, uh, someone who could be that, you know. Stupid. I don't want to say that, but yeah, that's a stupid thing to do. Stupid. Like, and you can't be, you can't be the only person out there. Like there has to be nah, more. There's not many. <laughs> oh, I think there's a lot of people that like millionaires that let their driver's license expire. And but they, usually if you like become that. a millionaire and it's self-earned where it's not inheritance, you're a diligent person to, to not have diligence. 
and to be wealthy is a rare thing. Uh, there's and some it's, people really what, good at just but one what are you thing. But, 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 but Fez, you can keep saying, uh, but give us an example. Give Ar- us examples. Artists, musicians. Okay. Yeah, this is all things from movies we see, right? Where the guy, where Chevy Chase has, has the uncashed check. And, yeah. and, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying mm-hmm. I don't see examples of them. But, I mean, you're right. But those people, like the guys that, like John Cougar Mellencamp that said, oh, look, there was a check for 40000 they usually end up bankrupt. Yeah. Right? I mean, ultimately. But it's also like the dichotomy between your work life where you're very detail-oriented and like – it, listen, if, if McKenzie and I get hammered for something, typically it's for missing a small detail or not, you know, not not doing things. I agree. Things. I know and, how. But in your life, it's like you say, fuck all that. I, I'm doing it my way. It's very. No, it's not my way. It's I don't really care. It's like I care. If I'm going to do a job on air, let's say I want it to be good. Mm-hmm. Right. But remember, here's the catch 22 with me. I graduated, I, you know, as we said, the top of the class, got into an Ivy League law school, didn't go. For the next two and a half years, I slept in the same bed that I grew up in. It, ha- it's a, it has a Mickey Mouse with my the Randy, which is my, you know, Randall is my name, is uh, the first, you know, R in the first initial. It has a little Mickey. Now, let's say, just say this. I got a lot of action on that bed, too, in those couple of years. But the <laughs> fact is I had a Mickey Mouse bed, and I just went home instead of going to Harvard. It's like there's something about me once I'm almost successful. I don't want it. I, there's something about that. I don't know what it is. I think it has some. It's not that I think I'm fraudulent. It's like I think the system is fraudulent, and I feel like if I got to do enough with the system to eat right and have the if my knee gets blown out to have the right surgeon, which I would go to the best surgeon. Like when I had the trouble with Deadspin, I went and got Hulk Hogan's lawyer, right, and who ended up being Trump's lawyer, Charles Harder. There's a reason we beat Deadspin is that we had an elite lawyer who was like 700 an hour, but like I had enough to be able to go get the A guy. Well, the facts were in your, that, your favor. That helps as well. That's that a, helps. That's the case sometimes, but without a yeah. good lawyer, what's the difference, right? Sure. I mean, in the law, I mean, a lot of people were in jail that shouldn't be if they had the right lawyer, mm-hmm. right? But the fact is, I never wanted to be exposed like that without having the right lawyer or the right surgeon. But after that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had kids, I would because I'd want to leave them, you know, a legacy, right? Or, or not even a legacy, but have them protected in a way. So that becomes a whole other debate, right? You want them to have a safeguard, but you don't want them to feel like they don't have to work. And that's a challenge if you have money. That is a challenge, especially like if it's your own business and they're inheriting your business. And or if they even don't want to do that, but yeah, you're kind of controlling. You see that bar owners and it's a disaster when the kid takes over. So I, I guess to me, AJ, it's it's an ambivalence about the very system that I'm protecting. Now, if I was a, let's say I was a good poker player, I was never a great poker player. But if I could go up to the, if I could have went to the level of Bobby's room and been like amongst the best in the world, I think I would have wanted to be the best at that because that doesn't feel corrupt to me. Though it feels a lot more corrupt to some people on the outside. Oh, it's gambling. That feels like it's a meritocracy. You go, you take your money out. Who's better takes away the money. If I was a great chess player, I would have wanted to be better than Bobby Fischer if I was at that level. But this whole system feels corrupt in a way that I, 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 I'm not, I don't have the balls to say F it totally and become an outcast in it. Because let's be honest, there's some brilliant people that are just outside the system. And you know what? The system chews them up. Whenever the system comes by and says, oh, what are you doing? It's like Pac-Man style. They'll gobble them up. But I've got enough power that I'm not going to get gobbled up most of the time, knock on wood. 
but that in a way is a compromise. It's me saying, yeah, I don't like this system, but I'll play with you till I'm strong enough to not really be weak. Then I'm going to back away. Mm. So maybe you can say it's smart or you can say it's a half measure. I should either go the whole way and be in, embrace the system or I should remove myself from the system. Or you should ch- chain yourself to your door when they foreclose your house and say, I dare you. Instead, I just made a, a transfer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, it's, it is fascinating, though. It's, it, it make, it, but I, I think it it shows consistent. I think as you get to know me, you're seeing how the circle closes in a way. Yeah. All right. Well, t- if you can figure me out, I want to okay, hear yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not going to figure you out. <laughs> I can tell you that. All right, guys. Because, like I said, Mary told me this story. She hasn't figured you out. <laughs> She's pretty. She knows me pretty well. <laughs> I can't lie. All right. So, um, anything closing? Hey, hey. Let's be careful out there. <laughs> Talk to you next week.